Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zom. Episode 28. We're back. We're here. We're queen. Wait, what? Uh, no, what? <laughs> great minds think alike. <laughs> just getting ready to say the same thing. I was just, as this song was playing, Not I was all like, the time. damn, I hope the Freebirds did some Memphis stuff. And here it is Fabulous Freebirds versus Lawler and Idol in the Bad Street match. I will have to watch that post haste. I have watched that. Nice. So. Um, well, I watch we're, everything. We're here with uh, a, uh, a double feature of strong men this week. We got uh, a film called Strong Man. Strong yeah, we're not man talking from, about us. We're not, talking about not, the movies. Not us at all. Strong Man for 2009. Really, this thing's been a work uh, for a few years, apparently. And um, mm-hmm. Memphis Heat, the true story of Memphis Wrestling, 2011. Both are documentaries, obviously, and... Um, so we'll see how the reviews go. It's probably going to be a lot of us shooting the shit. So uh, I guess that's normal. Uh, I am the loaf. With me, the Zom. Hey, people! What's going on out there? I'm, you know, I'm just having uh, it's like lots of lots of turmoil in my life. So yeah, lots. You want to tell everybody how your week was? Um. Well, I felt like shit, and I was sick. And while I felt like shit and was sick, the day that I started feeling a little bit better. Uh, my basement flooded, so uh, I actually almost forgot that we were going to record this uh, train wreck of emotion. Uh, I feel a lot better because I'm starting to make some progress, uh, and the water is starting to go down. Thus, I can dry out some stuff. But don't worry, people. Uh, I was just going to say don't worry because the DVDs and the VHSs were all safe. I did drop a couple of uh, Charles Bronson VHSs that my mom gave me in some water. I snatched them up real quick, but I was just thinking. I had some boxes, cardboard boxes, tucked away in a corner uh, with some old school wrestling magazines that go all the way back to like 1963. And uh, I'm probably, once I get everything cleaned up, I'm going to have to get those out and see what's going on. And hopefully, you know, they're not destroyed. I'm sure only uh, to a certain level. But knowing how old they are, they probably act like handy wipes and just sucked up all the water. <laughs> My brother used to have this. Uh, he, he had a, a complete run when he was a kid of Nintendo Power Magazine. And we had this old cat that just pissed all over one of them. And he just <laughs> <laughs> he did not want to accept the fact that this magazine was ruined. It was all wrinkled. It reeked. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> he the would thing, not let though. this I thing get- go. <laughs> 
I used to look at these things all the time, and I'd get them out, you know, and, and read through them and everything. Well, now you have the internet, so I mean, yeah. you can just and and all the old magazines were all kayfabe anyway. It's like Bill After wrote every story. I mean, the pictures are great though, but now you know you read them, and you're like, oh, Sponge Museum guy, and um. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, and they smell anyway. They smell musty anyway. Yeah. And I haven't looked at them in probably – I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've taken them out since I've moved into this house, which was like 99 or 2000. So it might be time just for them to go get bye-bye anyway. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Whatever you bye-bye, I'm requesting to send some this way. <laughs> <laughs> send you like – they'll be all like mushy and stuff. I'll fucking stash those things away. Um, all right. Well, I wonder if they can be saved. You can try them out. They'll, be, they'll probably be wrinkled, but anyway. I just hope that I, I right now I'm just hoping that I don't get like mold spores that will eventually kill me. So that's my main focus. No, you mold. should be able to get some kind of spray or something that uh, yeah, that kills mold. So just in case, I'm gonna, by the time I get all this wiped up, I'm going to be uh, a cleaning motherfucker. I'm going to be a fatal terminator. <sighs> All right, so uh, okay, pretty, pretty generic week for me. Um, so that's that's been my uh, life. Yeah, that's been my life lately. Um, I am feeling better. My uh, antibiotics killed whatever was in my face and chest. So that's so. good. I'm all cleared up. I might sound a little stuffy still, but I felt fine. You sounded really stuffy. I didn't notice yeah. it until I listened to the show. My nose, like it, it wasn't like my nose was running. It was just way up inside, like behind my eyeballs. So uh, it was terrible. That sucks. Um, so what have you been watching this week? Well, okay. I've been watching. I, I didn't watch a lot because, like I said, I, even though I didn't feel good, uh, I spent a lot of time sleeping other than watching. Um, I watched... And I probably watch more than what I have listed here, but uh, some some of the stuff I start watching and I wouldn't finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was uh, a movie that I did finish. was called My Gun is Quick, 1957. <laughs> Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer. And uh, now this is on Netflix Instant Watch, and it is a um, it's an old black and white movie. And um, you know, I've always kind of uh, ever since I saw I the Jury with Armand Asante, um, I have liked Mike Hammer. Uh-huh. Uh, and and um, so I mean, he's lots of people have played Mike Hammer, including Mickey Spillane, which I watched that one, and man, was he bad. But this guy, <laughs> it's it's one of those introducing Robert Bray as Mike Hammer. Well, I don't figure, I don't know. I never looked at his filmography, but I wasn't sure if Robert Bray did too much after this, and uh, maybe he did. But boy, he sucked. <laughs> you want to talk about a piece of wood? He, well, God, he did a lot of stuff. From 1946 till ooh, 1968, he made 122 movies. Whoa. and Well, movies and TV shows. But at this point, I think, like I said, was maybe when he was – they were just kind of trying to give him a big push. Mm-hmm. And um, – he was. He makes Sterling Hayden look like um, <laughs> I don't know Daniel Day Lewis. He is a chunk of wood, and I mean a big fit guy. When he ha- he there's one point where he has a a, a skin tight like t shirt on, and he's on this boat with this broad or this chick or this yeah. babe. She was she was a she broad. was a abroad because this is 1957, and she was a femme fatale too. But this movie was funny. It was unintentionally funny because the dialogue was bad, and there was even a point where he was attacked by 
uh, three guys that were dressed kind of like French sailors, and one of them holds his hand up, and he's got a fucking hook like Captain Hook. Uh, and, and I mean, he's not a pirate. He's like, it's like 1957. I was like, oh my god. So it was pretty good. And uh, Mike was, uh, he was in a bad mood a lot of the time. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going 52 hours without any sleep. Give me a diced egg sandwich now. You know, he's all pissed off. He was really, really, uh, really mean. Uh, he slapped, boy, he slapped the shit out of a couple of uh, heavy guys. Though. That was pretty cool. Next thing I watched was uh, Honeymoon Killers with Tony Lobianca. Uh, this is one I recommend everyone to watch. I even got it for Jake McLarge huge for uh, his Kringle because I come through with Kringle, uh, unlike some people. Anyway. Um, did you not get your Kringle? No, never did. Uh-oh. I got a pro- I, I even uh, two times uh, contacted uh, this person who I will not mention. Uh, he still is, um, you know, uh, whatever. Some pe- I don't know. Uh, just, just – I would have appreciated just someone saying, you know, dude, I, I, I'm short of money or blah, 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 blah. Or say, you know, hey, I sent something and it didn't come. Didn't send it. Promised me it would. Never did. So anyway, I don't want to go into that because it's just uh, – it's not a big deal. But man, come on. If, if you're going to sign up for shit like that, it's a nice thing and we all have a good time. So I, I wasn't ever going to say anything about it on the air. I was just going to make snide little comments. I forced it out of you. <laughs> But since you just asked me, I, I kind of let it fly. Whatever. That's water under the bridge. And um, hopefully next water year, if we, if we do Kringle again next year, you know, I uh, hopefully I'll get somebody else. Uh, it's the gift of giving. And he gave me a shit sandwich. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and if I'm wrong, you know, I hope the guy hears this and he can call in and say, you know, hey, man, I sent it and blah, 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 blah. That's cool. If it got lost, that's cool. But if you didn't and you told me you were going to send something again two times, fuck it. Uh, next thing I watched was uh, Fatal Termination. We should cut all that out. <laughs> can we? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> next thing I told Jake, I said, you know, dude, if he would have fucking put a pencil in a box and sent it to me or a card. Or just a letter that said, I don't have any money. Or so I don't know. Anyway, Fatal Termination. The, uh, the next two were Fatal Termination and uh, Okinawa, ten, uh, the Ten Year War. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, go over to Podcasts Without Honor and Humanity because I set in with Jake McLarge. He- Never heard of him. And not only him, but his next door neighbor who continuously through the podcast kept yelling, Aaron! Aaron! I thought maybe him and Yuri had like a had the baby. I thought it sounded so. I thought it might be like a parrot or something. And Jake said it was his <laughs> next door neighbor, and she hadn't made a sound the entire day. And as soon as he started recording, uh, she was screaming for someone named Aaron. And I, it might have been someone that lives in Hawaii. As loud as she was yelling, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do we know any Aaron's in Hawaii? Nah. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> both of those movies though, um, especially, especially, uh, fatal terminate or termination, uh, seek that one. The other one, uh, which is Okinawa, the 10 year war stars, Sonny Chiba. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's still pretty good, but it's not as good as the other one. It has, <laughs> the other one has some crazy shit in it, yes. which is Good. Okay. Now, the next thing I watched was uh, 8 Million Ways to Die with Jeff Bridges. Uh, And uh, I hadn't seen this in a long time. Uh, They used to run it quite a bit on HBO back in the, like, I don't know, the 80s or something. Mm -hmm. And um, it has Rosanna Arquette. 
Andy Garcia and Jeff Bridges and the the boobless girl from Baywatch, and I can't remember what her name was. And uh, let's just put it this way. Andy Garcia looks like he weighs 120 pounds, and he must call Jeff Bridges and everybody else in the movie Baby uh, or Babe or Baby 5,000 times, which is funny enough to watch. He has the slick back hair with a tiny little tiny little it's not even a ponytail it's not a rat tail because it's not long enough to be that but just a little one. and he is so gross it is sickening <laughs> uh roseanne arquette cannot act um she uh continually has these certain moves that she does which i think she construes as acting and of course jeff bridges is always good um it's it's worth watching is roseanne arquette hot uh, I never. I don't think I ever did think she was hot. I think that some of my friends said she had really great boobs, but she's seen. She's very annoying to me, uh-huh. and I would take Patricia Arquette over her any day. Even though Patricia Arquette is one crazy, probably would still be annoying. But she has really like, uh, yeah, the milk factories. Anyway, <laughs> and, and she got a little heavy, but when she was in True Romance, mm, she was like perfect. And I agree with Dennis Hopper. It tastes like a peach. Uh, the next thing I watched was a little bit uh, classier, okay, a little bit more modern day, okay. and it's called Martha Marcy May Marlene. Totally and it's easy to – did you really? I, I, it, it was at the theater for like three weeks, and I totally never got a chance to go see it. I did this one on uh, – I was telling Loaf, I think but I think before we came on the air, that uh, there's been a couple of occasions here recently where I have uh, uh, rented some movies on iTunes so I could watch them on my iPad. And this was one of them, uh, $3.99. You get to keep them for uh, a whole month. Once you start watching, you get 24 hours, and then they disappear. But anyway, <laughs> this is a pretty good movie. And talk about some uh, pretty spectacular um, jugs, uh, the oh, yeah. little Olsen. The Olsen chick. Wow. I was kind of surprised. And she does – she gets naked quite a bit. Um, I never had much to think about or say about the two sisters because, you know, I thought it was kind of weird uh, when they were underage and guys were like freaking out about Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. And I can't wait until they turn 18. <laughs> That's so <laughs> disgusting. But not only that, they look funny. This chick's pretty – she's not bad looking. But anyway, uh, that aside, I have to throw that in because you know I am who I am. But uh, The movie in itself, um, it was good. It, uh, there was a few points where I, th- I thought it was a little slow, uh-huh. but they – it's just the, the way it was shot was excellent. Uh, it um, – you know, I don't I spoil it for – I don't think this is spoiling it for anybody, but it, it – there's a lot of stuff in it to me that parallels uh, some of the Manson stuff. Okay. So you might, you might, you know, I don't know. I'm good. That might give I, you a little I, hint. With honestly, me. I had no idea what it had to do with. I knew it had something to do with just, uh, Satanism just, or some kind of cult thing. No, it's just, uh, I've read a lot about, you know, I've read Helter Skelter and I've watched a, you know, a lot of documentaries about, you know, Manson, and his family and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, there were actual lines in the movie that uh, I was like, you know, that's Charles Manson said that, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's not a direct parallel. It's not saying this is who they are or anything like that. Uh, but it's, there's just little subtle things like that that are in there. Okay. Now the next thing I watched was, was really good. Okay. It is on Netflix instant watch and it's a Marlon Brando movie, uh, called burn. Mm-hmm. And if you, now, didn't you see, did you say you saw the Ed Harris movie Walker? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the same character, William Walker, oh. I think this is uh, the the one with Ed Harris. I'm not sure which one. Um, 
I believe the Ed Harris one, other than you know them putting helicopters and shit like that in it, <laughs> uh, he went uh, to Nicaragua, and I think that's what the real guy did. And this one, they switch it. Um, it's uh, he got, he's um, oh god, where the hell was he at? Lots of Portuguese people. Is that Brazil? Would that be? Yeah. I don't think it was Brazil. Maybe it was, I don't think it was Brazil though in the movie. I, I maybe it was Nicaragua in the movie too. I don't know. Did they have like a large Portuguese population? I don't think so. I don't know, well, they ran them out. So <laughs> the, the English ran the Portuguese out uh, at the very beginning of this one. But it's really good. Marlon Brando um, is just I just fucking I like him. I think he's fucking awesome. Uh, it and it has a really good story. The only. Um, the only thing that I saw in it that I thought was kind of uh, – I think that they probably could have made this like you know a really big uh, epic and it looks like they cut certain parts. Like there's one part where 10 years goes by and they just have a narrator all of a sudden saying, after 10 years, blah, 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 this happened, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then there was a couple of things at the end that were just kind of cut abruptly. Yeah. And I think this was a passion project for Brando. I mean he was like uh, – uh, he actually married several uh, – I think several uh, women uh, from like Haiti and and areas like that, and uh, and he was he's always interested in politics, and it kind of shows. It kind of has almost sort of a, I don't know, talk, uh, sort of like Walker, where it kind of maybe has some Vietnam parallels and or just a um, kind of a, makes some statements about America and how they handle things and. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're talking about the British and shit like that. Anyway, the next thing I watched, and I think you like this one, good. It's called uh, The Naked City. And um, I watched it on uh, Netflix Instant Watch. And I thought this was, uh, I liked it. It's, uh, it's kind of a noir movie. Um, and uh, Barry Sullivan, who plays the little uh, chaperone uh, uh, guy that goes along with John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara and the Quiet Man is like the main guy. He's the main detective. Is and he the, is, just, is this the 1948 noir one? Man, let me see. I think it might have been. Jules, Jules Dassin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is it? yeah, yeah. I have seen this. I saw it on Instant too. It's really good. I just like him. He Barry or Barry Fitzgerald. I'm sorry, Barry Sullivan. What the hell am I thinking? Uh, Barry Fitzgerald was is just great. He had so much for a little Irish guy. He has so much personality and so much charisma. I was it was cool to see him. This might have been the first because I think maybe the only other thing I saw him in is uh, the Quiet Man. He might have been in in the Informer, but I don't know. I'm just thinking of Irish movies. But uh, it was cool to see him as the main guy. Uh, Howard Duff, who ended up being a pretty good actor. My God, he was freaking horrible in this. <laughs> he was so bad. It was, you know, I didn't do it. No, I'm not a, I'm not a criminal. Yeah, I'm a liar, but I'm not a criminal. No, no, I lied about everything else, but I'm not lying about this. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh my God, dude, how the hell did you develop so well? Because he turned out to be a pretty good actor. Uh, that's about it. I didn't, uh, I didn't watch a whole lot. I read uh, a couple of uh, uh, new, con- well, just two of the same title and that's the new Catwoman comic and um i know uh bernie didn't doesn't he put a meh eh, meh when i put posted it but uh so far i've read two of the books and i thought they were pretty good yeah. so i mean you know two inches on bernie i'm good yeah mother of God. he's uh, not it. all right don't you I ever a, go against me i had a pretty decent, <laughs> <laughs> had a pretty decent week um <laughs> i uh 
last uh, last week at work, I started watching the Bruce Dern movies, Silent Running, from the <laughs> from seventy two. What a weird, what a weird movie that was. I didn't, even, I wasn't even sure what it was, but um, he's a botanist and he's Bruce Dern yeah. in space. <laughs> such a such a quite a liberal slanted movie, I'd say, but. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think Johnny Ramone thought this movie was excellent. Yeah, I'm a bit. Um, <laughs> I was talking with uh, I was talking with Randy on Facebook about it, and I was like, I think I, I can't tell if I'm uh, choked up or about to vomit when the, <laughs> when the hippie lady is singing and like the hawk swoops in and lands on his arm. It's so, it's so corny. Uh, this is pretty majestic. good. Though. What's that? It's majestic. It was funny. The uh, you know the it's obvious there's little people inside these robots that, yeah. that hang out. I felt sorry for the, whoever had to wear that costume though, because they had to have like been had to, I don't know. Their legs were really far apart. So somebody would have had to have been a really awkward position inside. And I don't know. It was pretty funny though. So it was cool with him playing, uh, playing poker with, uh, the two robots. And then I was watching it and somebody else was in the room and couldn't, they could only hear it. And uh, mm-hmm. they said, "Please tell me that guy's playing poker by himself, <laughs> because there's there's no there was no other talking. All you hear is just him saying, all right, now you're going to do this. Oh, that's a good hand.' <laughs> so Bruce Dern, he's awesome. Um, he is really- awesome, but boy, he's a strange looking uh, fellow. Yeah, he is. He does. You know? He plays a lot of like really gross kind of characters now, which I think works yeah. for him. So, uh, oh hell yeah! I watched uh, Sunset Boulevard. I've never seen this one." Yeah. Uh, this was awesome. Um, fucking Gloria Swanson was kind of creepy in it, but I liked her a lot. <laughs> she was really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. Uh, I'm, ready. I'm surprised she was like, <laughs> come bathe me. Yeah. <laughs> this was awesome. I, I, I'd had this. I'd, I own this one. I've had it for years, and I've never watched it, so I finally got around uh-huh. to it. So. Um, and then I watched another uh, uh, Hollywood classic Um uh, Black Mama, White Mama. So, <laughs> again, Ooh, another, another I like one, it already. Another one I've had on DVD for a while and never watched. Um, this was actually brought up in the next movie I watched, Machete Maidens Unleashed. The, that's this is on instant. Um, Machete Maidens Unleashed is a documentary. I think it's made by the same guys that did um, Not Quite Hollywood, if you've seen that one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just about the uh, film industry in uh, the Philippines during the 70s and how they um, were like basically Corman and his gang were able to go over there and just make movie after movie after movie for super cheap. And they talked about how the, you know, the stunt men cost nothing and didn't yeah. realize that they could, they didn't have to just like fall out of a two story window on their back. And yeah. <laughs> so, Hey man, we just figured out we can actually kill these guys. Exactly. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Um, Corman's so, middle name was uh, super cheap. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he talks a lot in it and people give quotes about, you know, Corman, you know, being cheap, whatever. And, and then it would cut to Corman and he'd say, I don't know exactly what they're talking about. I was blah, blah, you know, in, in mm. his, in his, I can't wait to see his doc, the documentary about him. That's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, black mama, white mama is Pam Greer and, uh, a white chick I didn't recognize. They are, uh, and they're, chained, <laughs> they're chained together. It's kind of a, it's kind of a sleazier version of that one with Portier, I think, where they're Tony two, Curtis and Portier. Yeah. Two guys. Yeah. Together, yeah. I can't remember what that one's called though. Ah, well, whatever. We'll never figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you get to see Pam Greer running around with – I don't know if she has a bra on or not. Even if she does, it just it, 
you know the kinetic the bra energy. just could not <laughs> yeah. could not hold up under that girth. The the kinetic energy built up behind that bra. There's nothing that can contain it. So the um, defiant ones. This is pretty good. It's uh, it ends up being less like a women in prison film and more like an action like a action movie with um, the white chick is a she's trying to like overthrow the government basically and Pam Greer is <laughs> she's in prison for prostitution. And the two of them, you know, one wants to go one way, one wants to go the other, and they don't get a lot into the whole black versus white thing. But even despite does the, the white movie. chick have big boobs too? She does not. She has a ni- very oh. nice rack, uh, and uh, in but it's kind of like a contrast. Next to anyone else, they would have been awesome. But they're, they're still they're still awesome, but they're just kind of overshadowed. <laughs> literally, I've never heard this. her name's Margaret Markov. Margaret, she looks Martin. like a. A beach girl or something. Yeah, they talk. They and, talk uh, to her a few times in uh, in Machete Maidens Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she's one of the interviewees. And um, Sid Haig. Sid Haig is in this one too. They had to have filmed this. I have to think they filmed this at the exact same time as the Big Birdcage because him mm-hmm. and Pam Greer both look exactly the same. They're made right around the same I- time. I think some of the like areas were just reused. So nice. This is good. Um, and yeah, Machete Maidens Unleashed. That's on Instant. You can check that one out. If you liked, uh, have you seen Not Quite Hollywood or this one? Yes, I have seen Not Quite Hollywood. If you like, my Not good Quite friend Hollywood. Roger is in that. <laughs> yeah, your good friend Roger's in that one. <laughs> Fucker sent me a damn. He posted on my wall. Brian Trenchard Smith posted on my wall. I made friends with him on Facebook, yeah. and he posted something about a dildo on my wall, like immediately. What, <laughs> what a sick. Son of a bitch. Maybe he listens to our show. Hey, Brian. Hey, Roger. Hey, Brian. Yeah, we'll have to review one of his movies, and he might. Um, you know, one day when we're hanging out with these guys, we're just going to have to maybe talk movies. I mean, usually we just hang out and just, you know, shoot the shit, talk about ladies and drinking and stuff like that. But, you know, the, Brian uh, and Roger, you know, they're pretty cool. <laughs> Bryn is watching uh, Trenchard Smith's uh, Sahara remake soon. So so I talked to I was talking Bryn, to Bryn is the Trenchard Smith of our group. <laughs> he is. Um and I, so yeah, I actually ended up uh, watching uh, a couple after I, I talked to I talked to Bryn for a little while about Humphrey Bogart, and um, I forgot I'd actually seen Sahara. But um, I watched uh, I watched a couple Bogart films. I watched The Big Sleep um, mm. it, with uh, Bogey and Bacall, mm. um, and it's interesting. I read this one. This is a, a Philip Marlowe detective thing. He was a kind of a recurring character in a lot of movies and stuff. And, yeah, Philip Marlowe. Uh, and I think uh, I think Mitchum was in a remake of mm-hmm. Sleep or something. Yeah, he was. Marlo, so we might have to cover that sometime. Um, uh, Powers, they used to have a TV show. It was like a once a week thing on HBO. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, now they have The Sopranos. Uh, but it was like, I think it might have been the first series that HBO ever did. And it was... Um, uh, Philip Marlowe PI and Powers Booth played Philip Marlowe okay. and it was so amazing because we're like oh my god this is a TV show and they show boobs <laughs> you know they, they they showed new I mean it wasn't like over the top but I mean it yeah. was it's it's I'd like to get the box set of that I remember it fondly it probably sucks now but you know I'd like to give it a shot this was a the big sleep is it, it's good it, it gets a little confusing at the end and I was reading up about it and because of the uh, the Hayes code they actually had to change the, how the story flowed. Because there were certain things that they didn't want to put in the film um, because of the Hayes Code. And uh, the ending actually ended up getting changed because of it. So, um, uh, Hayes. I, I, I won't get into it. Is that the Michael P.S. Hayes Michael, Code? The Michael P.S. Hayes, yeah. Purely if he would have code. done the Hayes Code, it would have been <laughs> movies would have been a lot better, I think. Lots of big bushes and long tongues. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his tongue. It's black. <laughs> um, so gross. 
I also he makes David Lee Roth not look sleazy. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, awesome. I love that guy. Uh, I also watched High Sierra, another bogey. Uh, this one had... Um, is that the one he kind of plays like a John Dillinger like yeah, character? Yeah. It take, it, it, yeah, he hides out in the mountains. Uh, I don't know where the Sierra Mountain Range is. I guess it's in California because he gets to L.A. really quickly a few times. So, um, I like that one. He plays uh, Roy Earl. It's, he's a bank bank robber that's been released from prison, and uh, but he's kind of like forced to do another big heist. So, and it's cool, uh, kind of back and forth. Like he is he's fallen for this kind of country girl that he comes across on his travel across the country. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's a guy that's like, you know, you don't need this sweet girl. You need a girl. You need basically, you need a, you need a broad basically, not a, yeah. It's it's, it's a Piper Parabo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, I see area. The, uh, the Piper's Parabo would have been the sweet girl. Amy Sprinkle would have been the broad. The 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 woman that played the uh, the not sweet girl, she was really hot. The not not sweet girl. (laughs) Um, I watched a uh, a film, another one I've had around for a while. Uh, You know what? I take that back. I I just rented this one off Netflix. It's a different one I'm thinking of, but uh, I I don't know how exactly to pronounce it. Uh, Revanche, Mm -hmm. R E V A N C H E. This is Mm -hmm. an Austrian crime film. Um, very kind of Shakespearean, uh, like tragedy kind of plot. Um, it's I've been about, hearing a lot of people talk about that one. This was really Is that good. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, okay. He uh, basically this guy. Um, he gets tied up in a kind of almost, I guess, a botched of sorts bank robbery, um, uh-huh. and, and he's hiding out and. It's it's really good. Like there's you know there's somebody that has been killed and he knows who it is, but that person doesn't know who he is, and it's it's really neat. So it's it's a it's a slow burn. It's not very action packed, but it's definitely worth check, checking out. It's awesome. Um, I think it was nominated for best foreign film or something the year it came out. So uh, I watched Over, Overdrive. Oh, yes, Overdrive. Albert Brooks got snubbed that year too. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, and my, while we're talking about the Oscars briefly, I really, <laughs> I, I really wanted, I really, I, I don't know why I didn't watch the Oscars at all. I was at work, um, and we actually showed the Oscars, uh, but um, I was busy playing a board game on my iPad the entire time <laughs> it was on. I didn't even step in there to look at it. But um, I really, I really wanted, uh, I really was hoping Hugo was going to end up winning Best Picture. Because uh, uh, it started winning a lot, it got like best cinematography and stuff, and I thought it was gonna pull one out there, but I guess not. Uh, um, I mean, not that I'm disappointed. Whatever, the, you know, the artist won best picture, and that's fine. Yeah. I, I, I I thought that was what would win, but I was kind of hoped. I kind of hoped Hugo would win because I almost bought Hugo on Blu-ray yesterday, but I was like, you know what? I don't need to spend uh, twenty-five bucks right now on a Blu-ray that I'm probably not going to watch for six months. I think so. Hugo is it's coming out on. Netflix sometime here shortly, uh, March, like maybe 13th or something. I got it all ready to go, babe. Mm, uh, babe. Yeah, uh, ben, Kings- ben-, ben Kingsley's very good in that. So. Does he play Don Logan? Yeah, he plays. <laughs> <laughs> that would you be awesome. You fucker, fuck, fuck. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, well, speaking of, of Kingsley, I watched Schindler's List, In Your Eye, Large William. <laughs> Does he uh, not like Schindler's List? He's never seen it and ha- and says he has no plan on watching it anytime soon. I wonder um, why. 
I don't know. Doesn't like the Jews. He he doesn't like amazing films. Uh, I honest to God, now I know. I think he kind of has a hard on for Spielberg, doesn't he? Because he, he said, "I'll never Spielberg. watch horrors." Does he love Spielberg? No, he hates. I thought he didn't. He said he hates Spielberg, but then you know he likes every movie you ever list by Spielberg. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's like when he says he hates or he uh, blonde-haired women aren't his thing. He prefaces that every time we put a picture of a hot blonde chick, and he goes, "But boy, she's hot. This one's hot." I'm like, "Okay, no, every every one you see that's hot, you say is hot, but you say blonde women aren't." But I think I, I understand that. You when you're you're married to a brunette, it's good to say that. <laughs> no, I uh, no, but anyway, Schindler's List. Oh, oh my God, I have not seen Schindler's List since it was aired on television back in the mm-hmm. late '90s. Um, NBC showed this uh, unedited on TV. Mm-hmm. I actually I, I read a little bit about it, and it was edited slightly. I think there was some yeah. s- some thrusting that was edited over in, uh, in a sex scene that's brief, but but they did not edit out any of the uh, non sexual nudity. Well, they didn't really edit out the you know a woman sitting up in bed without a shirt on and stuff. But yeah, um, th- this film is oh my god! It's it's I mean it's. This is all time top ten, definitely. But I'll okay. tell you what, honest to God, um, we talk about man crushes and shit like that. Uh, Liam Neeson, I don't know if I would say man crush, but this guy is a throwback. He uh, to you know big rugged Robert Mitchum like mm-hmm. actors that you know big guys instead of like the little De Niro uh, fucking Dustin Hoffman ugly guys. But anyway, I mean, <laughs> God, that guy is fucking Liam Neeson is just awesome. Yeah. It, it, I this and is Ralph Fiennes. What a prick! The, oh my God! <laughs> or Ralph Fiennes is is the yeah. Amon Goth Goth. Get I don't know. How oh, Son. He, and that was a real son of a bitch. In re- I mean, I, okay, he was a real son of a bitch, but that was a real guy that I, did all. I mean, all that stuff. Ugh. In reading about this, it, it's, it's you know some interesting things. Like, oh, well, this is one of those films that uh, that I've always I always forget to mention. But the um, you know scenes that make you cry every time. The fucking mm-hmm. scene when he when they're standing on that that road made of uh, the road made of of uh, gravestones, and he's just mm-hmm. like you know looking at his car. He's like that could be ten people. This pen, this is gold. This could be two. Oh my god, fucking every time yeah. I got I get get the dusty eyed. Well, it's really teary eyed. So. That's a that's a good movie, and and I'll tell you what, I I don't think I could even make out during Schindler's List. <laughs> I couldn't even. So choke. fuck you, Jerry Seinfeld. Couldn't even choke someone during. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, man, it's uh, this is and it's interesting. But you know, reading about it, um, Ralph finds when he walked into a room. There's one of the women. One of the women that was actually on Schindler's list. When he walked into the room, she started shaking uncontrollably because he he was in full costume and he yeah. he she he reminded her so much of the actual Amon Goth. And she was just, you know, she couldn't even. Stand. I will say this about Spielberg: uh, it, this was a fucking masterpiece. But let me tell you something, you son of a bitch! If you make this again and you put fucking uh, what's his face, Shia LaBeouf, in the Oscar Schindler part, I will personally find, seek you out. He's not making this again. Well, he. I'll give you my, a piece of my mind. No, George Lucas it. is going to. No way. <laughs> Yeah, I think Lucas said he's going to, and he's going to kind of add a few things here and there. You know, because it's like a work in progress. <laughs> Lightsabers. 
Yeah, you know, um, some CGI. You know, you know why, why does everybody have to? Why why does everybody have to be in black and white except that little girl? And Ben, I mean, King you know, be, this. Ben, okay, yeah, yeah. Ben we'll do King, the opposite. Everybody will be in color, and the little girl will be in black. And white. Well, the ca- the candles are in color too, so we'll probably add <laughs> we probably add some like like sparkles or something to coming off yeah. the candles. A little lens flare. Yeah, uh, Ben Kingsley's very 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 good in it, and. Uh, so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. We deserve everything. We deserve everything we get, including this basement fiasco. <laughs> I to, um, I'm sorry to to you know uh, all the people that sent us screeners that were going to review your movies and everything. I'm almost embarrassed. I shouldn't even ask because they're going to listen to this and be like, "Oh God, we thought this was like actually a real show." They're fucking around talking about Schindler's List. Oh my God, what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. Um, sorry, guys. I'm good. The uh, and then another interesting thing is the you know Spielberg said he did, he didn't make any money off of this at all he never took any money for it at all so um, hey man that's cool yep I don't so, know uh, what does that mean does that mean that he donated the money or does that mean he that he was just like overspent I didn't read enough to know exactly what he did with it because I, I was reading about like controversy over it um, and that was one of the things that you know he you know that he was like I never made a dime off this thing you know I can't you can't really you know you can't really say I'm I'm profiting off of yeah. genocide. I mean, I didn't. Well, I wouldn't say that anyway. I mean, how many movies have been made about you know the yeah, yeah. final stuff like that? You can't say that. I mean, fucking look at those the Nazi exploitation films of the seventies. Yeah, nobody complains about those. So, but so they out, made that. If if they come out and say that you know Ilsa never took they never took any money for Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS. You know, hey, that's cool too. Oh my God, fucking Diane Thorne! What a rack on her. Mm. Good lord. Oy. Oy vey. I watched a couple more, sorry. Uh, read the couple red box rentals. Uh, I rented Fright Night, the remake. Um, mm. This is one I've never seen the original. Um, everybody's very good in this, uh, especially David Tennant as Peter Vincent. This is a fucking okay. good movie. This is uh, this is worth checking out. It's I mean you know it's a it's a dumb horror movie, but it's a lot of it was mm-hmm. fun. It was, it was a lot gorier than I thought it was going to be. And it's funny whenever we my wife and I rent a uh, a film that was in 3D, we'll always point out oh there's the 3D because you know obviously we're not watching it yeah. in 3D and where you know the, the cheesy stuff that flies out at the screen like somebody gets bitten yeah. in the neck and a little droplet of blood flies out at the screen you know um, but this is it's good it's a lot of fun so. Um, I thought that from the trailer that it looked good. A lot of people shit on it. You know, they're like, ah, it's a remake, right? But you know what? Let me tell you something. Seriously, uh, don't shit on stuff until you actually seen it. <laughs> yeah. Because if you haven't seen it, it may, you know, there's Unless a lot of movies. Hell, they've remade, uh, like you said, uh, whether it's uh, The Naked City or who knows. I'm, I'm just coming up with movies. But I mean, there were movies that were made in the. 40s or the something like that and then the 30s yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so that ended up you being know, more wh- famous than you know the original so yeah that's the- why I, I mean i watched real steel and it sucked <laughs> but i'm telling you seriously i was just like everybody was shitting on it and i was like nobody's seen it yet what if it's good that's like conan the barbarian everybody shit on that movie nobody had seen it i watched it i liked it yeah, it was, that was okay. I'm not too. saying it was the greatest movie in the world, but I thought it was fun for what it was. So just you know, quit, I will, quit I being bullies. To, I will continue to shit on two current movies that without seeing them: Transformers. And, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <piece of shit. laughs> and I will continue to shit on Twilight also because 
I have never seen a Twilight movie, but I have seen Transformers movies, and I have not made it through 30 minutes of any Transformers movie I've seen. <laughs> they, they actually make a Twilight joke in Fright Night, too. So, oh. uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, what's the skinny kid with the glasses from... Uh, Colin Farrell? He was in Kick-Ass, and he was in um, Superbad... What is I don't know his I don't know his actual name. His name I know you're talking about, but I don't know what his name is. McLovin, whatever. Anyway, McLovin. Yeah, yeah, McLovin. Twilight joke in it. Jonah Hill. (laughs) Yeah, skinny Jonah. Uh, And (laughs) the the last one I watched was the uh, Soderbergh film Contagion from last year. And this is really good too. Um, What a fucking cast in this one, man! It's funny that does it make you paranoid? It did a little bit because there's a there's a scene when a guy is saying, um, you know, him and uh, and uh, Kate. Uh, oh my god! I can stay I almost said Kate Blanchett. No, um, Blanchett. Hepburn. Yes, Catherine Hepburn. Oh, she's on the goddamn poster. Winslet. Kate Winslet are walking down the stairs. Kate Winslet works for CDC, and he. Uh- um, He's like, yeah, every night I go home, and he works like for the local health board. She's in mm-hmm. Minnesota kind of re- like figuring out what's going on because there's people been dying like suddenly over this virus that's spreading. And um, this guy is saying, every night I go home, my wife um, you know, puts all of my clothes in a bucket of warm water with soap. Every, every, time, every morning I leave, she douses everything in hand sanitizer. And I say, do you think she's overreacting? And Caitlin's like... No, and stop touching your face. And right as she says that, I'm fucking like twisting my mustache or something. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh fuck, oh fuck. <laughs> Go and Let me tell you something. Hands. If I touch Kate Winslet, I would not only be touching my face afterwards, I'd be putting my fingers in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, but it's she's hot. It's funny. This you know, this is film. This this is not like a huge high budget film or anything. But I mean, yeah. we got Lawrence Fisk. Lawrence Fist, Fishburne. We got Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> Fistburn. Who? Lawrence Fistburn. Fist, Lawrence Fist. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburn. Um, okay. Matt Don't Damon, worry, Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, nice cast. There's yeah. a lot of fucking names in here. So, and uh, oh, and uh, 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 John Hawks, new Alfie. <laughs> yeah, Jude Law. Jude Law. Uh, this is fun. Um, this was really good. I mean, not fun. It's, it's fun in the way that it make your skin crawl. But yeah, I got up my cue. Definitely I'll start thinking about all the spores growing in the basement. Yeah, you definitely will. So, hey, Daddy O, that was it for me. Go. Well, you know times. what? You watched a lot more movies than I did, and that really drug on. I wish next time that you would at least warn me that you're going to be fucking watching so many movies. I apologize. I apologize. God, Schindler's <laughs> List, that man. Good job. <laughs> we'll watch it someday. You know what? I don't know. He put off who, The Godfather does... for years and years too. So, yeah. Who does Will respect besides Sean Penn? <laughs> Oh my god! That, that had was, to be sanitized big time. That was the funniest thing. That blow up on the Facebook group that night, and it's so funny <laughs> that it just totally disintegrated into just dick pictures again. And then you're just uh, waiting for Vishnu on the sidelines to start posting pictures of dudes with their fucking dick cut through a hole in their sack, and <laughs> it was just to get out. Of it. You know? That was awesome. That was- let me just say this about the Sean Penn argument, <laughs> and that's this is my last thing on on the matter. The only reason I even argued is I hate absolutes. <laughs> if somebody says this person is the best actor of our time, or if this is a, you know, uh, that that's my thing is, and I know Will knows this, and I mean he wasn't, he was just going along with it too, even though yeah I was right and he was wrong. Um, <laughs> it's it's just it's an opinion, you know, it's just whatever, but uh, you know. 
Anyway, that was it was fun, but man, I started getting a little bit like, come on. That was so. Getting, oh my god, it was hilarious. Especially I, when he said, "You're get, taking this a little too personal." I'm like, I'm sitting here laughing my ass off, okay, and saying the stupid <laughs> shit I can think of just to promote <laughs> the Robin Williams thing. Oh, and I, yeah. I love that we found the new banner for. Our- <laughs> There you go. I laugh every time I see that goddamn thing. Robbie Williams with his stupid like monkey face right in the middle, his little dick hanging out. <laughs> it's funny. And you know what? The thing that I came to find out of that is people don't like Robin Williams, but I like Robin Williams. <laughs> I'm fine with him. Whatever. With Robin Williams. Is that from what is that from? Is that from Fisher King, that fucking scene? Yes. Okay. Yes, gotta be. <laughs> He's pretty, I thought it was John, in the middle, it looks like John Nord. But you know what? His <laughs> dick looks a lot bigger. In the one where his son killed himself, what the hell yeah, was that called? Uh, Father of the Years, or uh, and he had a hall in that one, but the water was probably warm in the pool. And then he's out in the <laughs> park in this one, so you know it's cold. <laughs> Running through the park in the middle of the night. But you uh, know, Robin Williams is a diverse actor. You know, whatever. I'm all right. With and that. I don't. Whatever. Let's just. Move. I don't even want to get back into that. That was. It was just. It was a relief just to stop arguing over that. It was just. <laughs> it went too fucking far. All right. Well, let's take a break, and we're going to come back and review. Um, we'll do. Let's okay. do Strong Man. We'll just go in chronological. Okay. Uh, directed by Zachary Levy, who was kind enough to send us the screener. So uh, we'll tell yeah. you all about Strong Man when we come back. We'll be right back. Okay. I just said that twice. We'll be right back three times. Yesterday, during the preparation of those putrid little twins I captured, I tuned into entrails from the skeleton closet. God damn it! I was hoping to catch the newest episode before tonight's feast. Matt and Mike are the shit when it comes to odious cinema. Well, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I became so enthralled in the show that I negligently dismissed both children as being dead. After dissecting and boiling the boy, I realized that the girl had escaped the house and taken to the forest. How could you be so reckless, you old fool? Check out Entrails from the Skeleton Closet for reviews and discussions on genre-specific exploitation, horror, television, and general cult cinema. It just might save your life. But your brother's totally fucked. You know, we could pickle that little boy and save him for the solstice. Ooh, yummy. break uh, <clears throat> first film sorry just cleared my throat right in the mic 
first film is uh, 2009, which still getting still I think in the works of getting a full distribution, but uh, Strong Man from 2009, a documentary by Zachary Levy. I will let you uh, introduce it here, Doctor Zom. Okay, here we go. It's um, <sighs> always be prepared, people. Uh, strong man, a man strong enough to bend a penny with just his fingers. Stainless steel reaches middle age, career disappointments, and difficult personal relationships that begin to test his strength and force him to struggle with the weakness around him, including his own. Very, very nice. Uh, this says uh, this is a story of uh, Stanley Pleskin, um, Stanley Lee, Stanley and his family from New Jersey. Um, this, yeah, I was, I was worried a little bit about reviewing documentaries. Um, um, I will say this immediately right off the bat. Zachary Levy has made it easy to review this one because this could be, this seriously could just be a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the style of documentary, it's not, you know, and I've talked about this before. It's not a talking head documentary at all. And there's very little commentary at all. He lets everything going on speak for itself. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a, an observational style documentary. There's, it's, you know, it's, I guess this is pure documentary filmmaking. There's no, you know, pure doc, nothing added in now, of course, editing could change you yeah. know, how you view of people, but that's really the, the, the extent of it is the order yeah. and the, you know, how, whatever, whatever, whatever's not included, you know, what's cut out, what, you know, that kind of thing. But you are a proverbial fly on the wall yeah, yeah. Uh, just with these people. So, I mean, it's uh, – I've heard – this is just uh, uh, something about like documentaries in general. Um, a lot of people – I mean, I've just heard several people uh, on the uh, documentary uh, blog podcast uh, you know, talking about other filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and some and – some, People like that that actually kind of, uh, I guess, insinuate themselves or put themselves in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, and a lot of the Morgan Spurlock documentaries, he is the narrator. He is like actually, like, I mean, supersize me. He was the subject. So, I mean, it's almost like it's him. It's about him. And even if it's about, like, finding Osama bin Laden, it's about him finding Osama bin Laden. This is not like that at all. You do not see uh, Zachary in this movie at all. And it's like I said, he, he, if it was Marvel comics, he would be the watcher. He just is sitting back observing and mm-hmm, he has mm-hmm. taken a vow not to intervene. Um, it, it's everything. It, this the whole, you know, I guess plot, uh, so to speak, the whole like setup of the film is done. It's, it's, you get a good idea immediately where, where this is headed. Um, you know, this, this, this guy Stanley, he's shown to just be a fucking beast as far as lifting and that kind uh-huh. of thing. But it's a very specific talent. It's uh, and you know he does not live a glamorous life. They they really don't even touch about like talk too much about what he does for a living. I think he mm-hmm. like, tears out the insides of buildings or something. But, yeah, it's like a scrap scrapyard kind of a thing where he just goes and and um, any anything where there's any kind of scrap metal or anything like that, he's he has his own business uh, and he goes around like you said if they're tearing up old buildings or you know old anything you know he just he's there to they basically hire him to haul the stuff away. Yeah, and he um, you know 
his wife, he, he has his, his, I guess she's still kind of a new wife. I think they said she, they've only been married a couple years, but she uh-huh. is, she really lacks confidence. She seems like a kind of a sweet lady, but she's really manipulated by her sister. And, mm-hmm. uh, to some extent him. Yeah. And when, you know, but, it, and it's, she, she it's like he like, tells her everything to do sort of, I mean, I mean, not in a mean way or anything, but he's like, come over here and watch this with me. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. You know, and he'll, he'll tell her, you know, uh, as far as the announcing thing just got me every time. Because she, yeah. She could not figure out how to, yeah. um, how to sell. He's being him. very grandiose. And, you know, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from blah, 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 you know, making these grand gestures and everything. And he's has her be his, uh, MC, his MC. Yeah. And every time, no matter how many times he would tell her, use your arms and, you know, stainless steel. She's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is the strong man. For <laughs> she's always reading off a card. And she just, yeah. she's not a very confident person. She used to be, right. kind of, she used to be hot back in the day. And they show her showing her for her old photos a few times. What a huge rack on her, too. Uh, yeah. The, um, and, and, and Stanley, the thing is, you know, when you're watching it, I didn't realize. He, he was as old as what he was. I mean, when you look at her, I mean, and I'm not saying this in a mean way or anything. I mean, she's an older lady. Mm-hmm. and But he is just this really big, I mean, hulking guy. But when you look at him, I never felt like he was like 53 years old or, you know, something like, you know, yeah, so. Yeah. It, it, but uh, then when you take him in perspective with her, you know, and figure they're probably about the same age. It's just that he's just a big guy in incredible shape. The thing about him, I think that um, it's like we've done some shows, and I'm, of course, I'm drawing a blank of the ones we people that have like uh, special talent. Uh, I think some of the first ones we did that 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 weren't. It was like they have a special talent, but the talent is not something that's really marketable or something. Yeah, he. he he, you see a lot of these other strong man things that these guys do, and they are, like I said, very elaborate. And whatever they do, they do is something that uh, that just looks extraordinary. He does things that are extraordinary and that no one can do. But like taking a penny with your bare hands and bending it, yeah. it takes so much strength. But you can't hardly see the penny, and he's it just it, it's not something that. Even if they had television cameras there or anything, that looks spectacular. Yeah, and you they, know they the you know there's a guy he goes and sees. I, I don't know if that was his agent, the dude with the really yeah, it was glasses. his agent. Yeah, um, but the guy says he, I wrote this quote down. He said, "Bending this penny at a rock concert doesn't mean jack shit. It's the greatest yeah. thing in the world, but no one's going to see it." Mm-hmm. And, and that's and, and that's the thing. He's trying to almost find his niche, but he is almost like a purist as far as. The strongman thing goes, and he, even though he's such a nice guy that it, one of these guys would be like right there with him talking, and he's such a nice guy, and he's like, you know, so you know, oh, that's oh man, that's great, you did this, you did that, and everything, but in reality, he's you know, kind of when he kind of lets his, I wouldn't, I don't know if I want to say his true self or whatever, but behind the scenes, he thinks that. You know they're not honest. They're almost like uh, carnival mm-hmm. sideshow guys who it's it's a trick. He says, you know, what I do is real. 
I'm bending this stuff. I'm doing this stuff. There's no gimmick to it at all. But these other guys, he seems to think that there's a lot of it that's just a lot. It's almost like pro wrestling. It's yeah. almost like an amateur wrestler, Danny Hodge or Jack Briscoe, that can beat anybody. And then they see Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan's making all this money, and they're like, wait a minute. Now, this guy, I'm real. I could beat every one of these guys. But they don't make this money. guy is just all showmanship, and he can't – it's like he has a really hard time with that. Mm-hmm. You know? The, um, it's, it's kind of reminded me of the um, – uh, the Abel Raises Cain documentary that I watched, I think last week, um, that Brent mm-hmm. recommended, because it's, it's a similar story where you know this guy, that guy Abel, he was obviously a genius and could have done a lot of things with his smarts, just like you know this Stanless could do. Uh, he could do a lot of things with his strength, but you know mm-hmm. what he decided to focus on on life is not really making him anywhere. And the same way with Abel, this guy, ch- you know, used his smarts like he was like a great drummer and all this stuff, but he used his smarts to just play hoaxes on the media it never right. made him money and him and his wife or you know they don't even have a home now and it just because of the you know the way he decided to take his life you know it's it's kind mm-hmm. of that whole you just you just got me back for the um the uh, cool hand luke comment <laughs> well no that's, that's not really that's not really spoiling anything but they, they, they talk about that in the, in the first two minutes of the movie where they oh, okay. walk, him and his so wife like have lost their house yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so in, you know in the same way the same th- way with stan it's like it, it's that balance you always walk with you know enjoying what you do every day versus you know making a living and he really wants to use this strength of his to do what he wants mm-hmm. to do but it's not really working and there's other people that well, are you know making a lot I think more it's money. almost sort of like it's it's almost like he's kind of torn because i think like just doing having that kind of simple life he's got this lady that he loves he's got, he's he's just kind of has a simple life uh and i think in some ways he's almost content with that but then when he sees other people doing and making money and being you know having these shows that where they they their shows are so then it's then he's kind of torn he's kind of like i can see where i could i should be doing more uh i should be living a better life and then with his her sister and with the his family Mm -hmm. that really puts the pressure on him like oh god you know uh i i gotta i i to me, it almost seemed like, and this is kind of sad to say for me and everybody, and that's that's one thing that um, um, Zach was kind of saying about this movie. Um, he told me, he said, you know, I, I don't, I don't usually like to talk a lot about the movie, and because I I just want everybody to take because I had read a, a Roger Ebert review and Roger Ebert had a a totally different perspective. Yeah, uh, on a part of this movie, and I watched it, and I was like, I don't, I didn't get that at all. I thought it was just this. Yeah. And when I approached him about that, he said, you know, hey, that's cool. I don't want to tell people what they should think about it or whatever. Yeah, that's why I'm not narrating and I'm not in it or anything. I'm just showing it, and you take it for what it is. So if you thought it was this, that's great. If he thought it was this, that's great. There's no for him to me. It was seemed to be saying like there's no right or wrong. He just – it's just something that you should just watch and and decide for yourself. Yeah. But I, but I think that what I was going to say before I got sidetracked a little bit there, I'm good, um, was that um, much like 
other people in their lives. I don't know. Maybe other people aren't like this. I know that I have been like this to a point. You love your family, but there's times where it gets to be hard when to, I don't know, you have to deal with all their quirks, all their hangups, or you know, them telling you what to do and you're a grown man or whatever and they still talking to you like you're a child or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's a part that Stan has to deal with too is um, like her sister. Um, it's the typical in-law thing of, uh, you know, I at first you don't see it. But that's another thing too. It, 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 the, the, the character evolves because – and all the people do because I think when they first start recording, it's – even um, – the uh, one wrestling documentary, wrestling, or not behind the shadows, but the one with uh, wrestling with Jake shadows? the Snake. Oh. Nah, the one with Jake the Snake. Oh, the uh, God damn! I own this thing. Yeah, I do too. I can't remember what it was, but even the guy that did beyond that, he said, "Yeah, beyond the mat." Um, it takes a while for the people to get used to you being there, yeah. because they always say, even on reality shows, um, as soon as you turn on the camera. No matter how genuine a person this person is, as soon as you turn on that camera, people act differently. Mm-hmm. They start performing or they start wanting to project something that they want people to think they are. But I've heard almost without question. Now, uh, Zach, uh, he filmed like for three years. He films, you know, uh, I always want to say stainless steel, but he filmed this <laughs> family. And, um, Everybody that I've heard that films docs that, that take that much time and everything um, say once you've been there for a while and once they get used to you and once they get the, the used to the camera being there all the time, then the true self starts coming out. Yeah. You start seeing the warts. You start seeing maybe a little bit of the edginess or a little bit of the bad side. So by, by episode 28 of Silva and Gold <laughs> – you start to see our, our underside I warts, too. <laughs> it was pretty close to episode one or two. Maybe zero. <laughs> you put the mic in front of us, and we just have diarrhea of the mouth. It's oh, it feels so bad sometimes. <laughs> Some of the stuff we say. Uh, we. <laughs> Some of the stuff we. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the royal um, we. The, um, the, you know, back to the wrestling thing. It's cool that the you, these two films, We there was... Not nearly as much, you know, effort in tying these together as you know it seemed like it because you know they, both films end up being about guys selling themselves well or not selling themselves well. Um, it's just you know this. You stand just he's like the nicest guy on earth. He's a fucking horse, but he lacks charisma. Um, he could he, just. I mean, you you would think that he could just be literally just by as big as he is and as strong as he is, that he could be a totally different person. He could be the kind of person that if somebody smarted off to him per se, that he could just turn around and just intimidate the living hell out of him. But he doesn't. He's, and and there's times where like when he, I think they were watching like the honeymooners or something. There's times where he's just laughing. It's it's almost like he's just a big kid inside a a giant Hulk of of a man. It's I mean like a good example of the lacking charisma is his little show appearance in London when he's mm-hmm. standing on top of this he basically he's lifting three people in a ca- in a scaffolded cage with one finger like he's got like a loop around this finger and he's standing yeah. on top of the cage and he picks up 
you know, just with that loop around his finger. And but on the top of the cage, you know, everybody's cheering and stuff, and there's lights. And it's like one of those reality like stage kind of variety shows almost. And he the way he says he just goes, "We love London. We love you too." Yes, and this is like. He kind of just says it. There's no excitement. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Uh, well, I think maybe he kind of gets – I don't know if maybe he kind of – because he is um, – because it's just the way he is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when, when he's telling Barbara how to introduce him, he is. I mean he's the showman. You should say it like this and have your mm-hmm. arms out and spin around and you should do your hair like this and everything. But then when his opportunity is there – that that person that's telling her to do that that has his confidence dwarfs hers but then when the when the bright light is shined on him he kind of clams up yeah the, you know uh, he has the opportunity to do it himself just say i'm going to lift this and everybody be with me and all this stuff and then he's like you know uh thank uh i want to thank god and uh god bless George Bush. <laughs> God bless George Bush. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. That's an inside joke. But anyway, um, <laughs> there, there. The one thing that I was confounded by—I don't want to give the whole movie away—but there was one part that, at the very beginning, I thought, okay, he, and I read this that he is a vegetarian, and the he dude can put away some corn. corn. <laughs> oh my god! Just they like said he'll sit there and eat like twelve. 12 years of corn on the cob in like, you know, just a few minutes. Oh, my God. Uh, he, he takes corn on the cob on the airplane, you know. Uh, that guy's got some speckled shit all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the one thing that, that I thought I had it pegged from the very beginning is he's going to be this sweet, nice guy. And, you know, and he kind of speaks like in a new age uh, philosophy kind of a. Well, he's got, it's got, he's like, got a very Buddhist like outlook. This whole kind of, yeah. this film kind of does. I mean, there's a quote from his wife. She says, um, life is an accumulation. Nothing happens overnight, and it's. Uh, I mean, he's 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 very focused on the present moment. Um, he wa- he likes to project and you know share his positive energy because he thinks it's going to yeah. make the universe a better place. You know, his slogan is "Mind over matter." And then it's funny. <laughs> as soon as I started writing about the Buddhism stuff, there's an old man that they meet up at one of their conventions or whatever that talk, starts talking about he got into Zen when he used to do the same thing. And it's fun- mm-hmm. it's funny that 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 happened. And then. There's a really great quote after that. It's in the trailer when Stan says, "I have tremendous power and I can't be hurt." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and 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 the thing is, is um, he maintains. I think you could. I I almost expected there to be a point in time where he, not I I want to say where he breaks down. Where he, but but he never does. But you can see that there's times where he's uh, the guy. There's more to him than just stainless steel, and there's more to him than a lot of the things. I mean, you can tell he's kind of a sensitive guy and everything. Um, but that I thought, like I said, I thought I had it pegged from the word go. He's going to be the Hulk Hogan, the real Hulk Hogan, the say your prayers, uh, you know, take your vitamins, yeah. and this and that. But then at one point he's telling Barbara, "Hey, you know, let's, you know, we're going to go healthy." Uh, and he would tell her to put out her cigarettes and this and that and everything. And then I mean, her within gross Virginia just Virginia Slims. Yeah, Ugh. and then I mean, like within <laughs> within just a short period of time, it's just like you see him over in the corner and he's like smoking a cigarette. One of her Virginia Slims. <laughs> yeah. And then there's one point he 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 constantly is telling, you know, "Hey, you know, get that out of here. I don't want to I, I can't be breathing this. I can't be breathing. whether it's a, a doobie or a, a doobie. That's I'm old. Uh or <laughs> or cigarette smoke or anything, you know. But he's um 
but but then he'll, you'll see him off to the side, you know, kind of. Eh. And then um, uh, the one thing that got me was he he was trying to show these guys at a strength uh, uh, event. I guess they have strongman events. They're mm-hmm. almost like horror hound, but they're for strongmen. And then one of them, I was surprised because I, I looked and they they showed Bruno San Martino was sitting there. I know, and I Bruno know. I was, that was weird. Yeah, but the thing was, you know, in his day, Bruno was known. He never did steroids ever, but he's still benching like five hundred and like, you know, eighty pounds or something like that with no steroids. So he was a he was just a marvel. He still is, you know, to this day, and as old as he is, I mean, still works out, runs, and everything. And um, but he's he's at this thing, and of course, he's slamming back a few beers and everything, and he's trying to show these guys, hey, look, I can bend this coin, you know, I can bend this this penny or whatever, and he's doing it, and he's doing it, and he can't get it, he can't get it, and, and there's times when he's doing it, and it is amazing, because I was, at, of course, I have to try, I get a penny out, and I'm, I'm like, okay, I wonder how, you know, and you can't, it, when Stan would do it, sometimes he would do it, and it would just be bent. Just enough, like you probably mm-hmm. couldn't put it in like a pop machine or something like that, a quarter or whatever. Um, and but you're like, okay, well, you know, he's putting in all this effort, and then when he shows it to you, you can barely tell it's bent. You try it yourself; you can't bend it at all. No. I mean, it's impossible. But like I said, it doesn't look that good. But he tells the one guy, he goes, ah, he goes, I just can't. He goes, I don't know, I'm just not focused. I, I, I had a couple of glasses of wine or something, blah, blah, blah. and he says, like that's affecting his strength. And he says, you know, I, I'll just have to, you know, he goes, I'll try. I'll, let me try again. Let me try again. He goes, I just, uh, I just had too much. I think I had a little too much to drink or anything. And he's telling the guy that. And then five seconds later, he goes, hey, give me another beer. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Stan. I think. It, I fucking- think. He's a drunk yeah. philosopher, man. They, when he he's, gets, he's when got he a gets good drunk, heart. Yeah. When he gets it, it's drunk, like, he, it's it, like it starts coming out of him. He, yeah, he, uh, he, um, you know, he says. I think there's one line that he says, like sometimes when it looks like you're coming in first, you're really coming in last. He's like he gets yeah. real kind of depressed yeah, when he gets like drunk. Bukowski and, or something. <laughs> and when, now, now the, the, there was one scene. Now, uh, of course, this leads up to us talking about his brother. Um, <laughs> His brother seems to be kind of a lost kind of a guy, kind of a redneck, uh, kind of. I mean, they have rednecks. <laughs> Let me tell you something, people. You make fun of Sammy in Kentucky or me in, in uh, West Virginia or Loaf in North Carolina. This movie proves that they have rednecks in New Jersey. Uh, his, what, I mean, Am I wrong? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It's, he's, this guy's missing some teeth. He, yeah. His hats, I've never seen these hats before. But they're they're like they're, they're like a welder's hats. They're like, yeah, they're kind of a, they have a really short brim on them. He's got several. He's yeah. got like a Giants one. He's got a, a Steelers one, and it looks kind of like you know like the old timey guys that would shoot out of a cannon. They'd wear like a bullet shaped hat <laughs> on top of their head. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of shaped He's, like that on the top. <laughs> but, but but I mean the the guy. I mean his life is, and I I live around these people all the time. Is you know his life is you know, getting drunk. Getting high and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, he don't give a shit about nothing. You can tell he's not really into bathing a lot. Maybe, uh, and and I th- and and Stan, he wants to. He he's like almost like he sees himself as a. I, I don't want to say a disciple because I don't think his thing is like Christianity or anything. Maybe I don't know, but he he kind of sees himself as spreading this truth of of good health. Yeah. Uh, the uh, inner strength, and you can do whatever you want, and don't let the odds defeat you. And his brother just kind of just um, frustrates him. 
Because no matter what he does or no matter what an example he tries to set, his brother is just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a fuck up. You know, I, I, that's just the way I am. And uh, my brother's great, but uh, that's what I like to. And you see his brother doing some drugs. And um, there's one scene that really stands out for me is when, like Loaf said, Stan, when Stan drinks, even though he's this big, strong, sweet guy, it's just like anybody else. Uh, it does things to him. Yeah. And they're sitting out underneath this sort of carport thing or whatever in this pickup truck, Stanley, Barbara, and her brother, and his brother, sitting in this pickup truck. And Stanley likes to listen to, like, kind of like rock music that maybe, like, Sammy likes to listen to. (laughs) He likes to listen to it really loud. (laughs) When they were in the truck listening to that music, I was just like, oh, my God, this woman must be a saint. Or something. More I don't awkward know. Sitting, oh man, she was not happy. <laughs> he was jamming, man. He was going to town. <laughs> uh, so, um, well, I don't have a lot, a lot else to add. This is a this this is a, a surprise documentary for me. Um, I really want to thank Zachary Levy for sending it to us. Um, the screener. This is. I hope this gets a, a wider release because. This is the kind of documentary I can get into. Um, I was thinking about this on the way to work the other day that with a lot of documentaries, if the way they're filmed – and I can't, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But the way they're filmed usually, if I'm not personally interested in right. the subject matter, I will lose interest in the documentary in like you know 45 minutes or an hour. And which is why I've always said, I've, I've you know frequently said that you know documentaries that go an hour and a half or or a more can get they can kind of wear on. This I can't say that I would be personally interested in a documentary about a strongman, but right. one it gets down to the core of being just human and going through the struggles of just being like a, a normal dude that can't share the thing he's talented with, which everybody on earth can associate with in some way i'm sure maybe you know maybe not one percent of the human population but for the most you know most people you ever need meet will have some kind of challenge like this in their life and there's no like there's it, it like i said earlier it, it speaks for itself it you know it leads you to draw your own conclusions about them it makes no judgment one way or the other mm-hmm. and it will you know it makes it more compelling um, if I have to com- if I have to complain about anything, I realized that Levy had you know three years plus of footage of this guy. It didn't need maybe to be two hours long. It's almost two hours long. It probably could have right. been trimmed down in some places, and I don't know where. But you know, there's some yeah. things that probably could have been glossed over a little more. Um, but that said, this is this is this is great. Um, do you have anything else to add? I I I mean I don't want to say I was surprised, but. Um for a first time, and I believe this is his first, uh, you know, movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Zachary Levy. I mean, I say kudos to you. I mean, because uh, I I echo what Lowe says. I mean, uh, a documentary, it's like the movie Senna. Uh, I knew nothing about racing or mm-hmm. cars. I never knew nothing about that character or that character. That person is not even a character. Um, it... <sighs> Of course, it the the, the filmmaker um, 
has to see something in the subject, yeah. something interesting. I mean, you can't just take some, you know, it's not like an actor. You can't, th- this guy isn't an actor. You don't just look at him and say, you know, okay, Stephen Baldwin, uh, I want you to do this. Uh, why is Stephen Baldwin? Anyway, but um, <laughs> he saw this guy, he met him at a, at a show, and he said they really hit it off and everything. And, and he said, I knew right off the bat, I want to make a movie about this guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he did it in such a way, and, you know, hey, even to, to stainless steel, uh, I know he's just being himself, but, you know, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. And, you know, I, best wishes to him. It's weird talking about this because we usually are reviewing movies about characters. Yeah. And he is a character. This is almost, he's this just could be a him. film. This could yeah. be a film. Oh, either. yeah. And and like you said, I, I, I admire, I mean, th- th- the determination, I mean, to film for three years. Yeah. And then, and then like you said, you know, yeah, there it, it probably could have been more streamlined, but there's so much material there that it would be hard to to choose. And I mean, my God, there's got to be you know thousands of hours of of uh, footage. Yeah. So, but anyway, I really liked it, and uh, and uh, I this as soon as I and, and I'm like I mean I'm into like lifting weights and stuff like that and working out and everything, but that wasn't as much it. Um, on YouTube, they have a uh, – you can sign up to this one page on YouTube that uh, any new documentaries that come out, they'll they'll send you an email that says, hey, we have a new trailer for a new documentary that came out. Just had one that just came up for a movie. I think it's called Bully, uh, and it, it looks really good. But that's what this one – it wasn't the weightlifting. It wasn't the strongman stuff, I, uh, just the way – the, the trailer. We uh, – uh, Jake and I were just talking the other day about you know trailers and how they ruin everything these days. Yeah. And I said, you know, I used to really like watching trailers because they would just titillate you. Now they tell you everything. This one, as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, man, this looks like an interesting guy. You know, it's just a it, it he could have it could have had nothing to do with uh, strength or weightlifting or any you know any kind of mm-hmm. strength stunts or anything like that. Just the way it was presented in the trailer, I was sold from the word go, and that's why I started telling everybody, "Hey, man, this looks cool. You gotta check it out. Check it out. Check it out." And we just uh, and just on a whim, I I uh, I told Loaf, I said, "You know, I'm gonna, maybe you know, I might just contact this guy and see if see if we can just review this movie. I think it would be interesting." And uh, he's really really a great guy. I mean, I've emailed back and forth with him a few you know a few times, and and uh, I sent him an email with a, with a bunch of questions, um, which I should have sent. Uh, a lot earlier, and uh, I was telling Loaf right before we went on air, I said, yeah, I didn't give him enough time to write back. He said, you know, to ask him questions if we wanted to. He emailed back. This was like, uh, I don't know, simpatico or whatever, fate, whatever, muzzle top. Uh, right before we went on the air, I checked my email, and it wasn't there. And within like a minute of being on Google on there, all of a sudden, his email showed up with every question answered. Great, just a great guy, and uh, I can't wait to see what he has in store in the future. I hope he makes some more movies. I hope he gets some, you know, gets this one out there. It's gotten great uh, reviews. Ebert and uh, some of the big, uh, you know, you go on Rotten Tomatoes and look at some of the, the you know, the big uh, critics or whatever, and everybody's given it uh, a really, you know, really positive review. So, anyway. That's a strong man, and like I said, we we went into some stuff. I didn't want to go in too much. Probably went in a little bit more than what we, what we what we should. But there's a lot of content in there, and it's it's a fun watch, and it's a it's kind of a touching story, you know. 
So check it out. It is. Uh, we, can, we can get into our ratings. Um, if, like I said, if anything, I could say that this could, this should be, this could be, not should be. I can't really say that, but could be a little shorter. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's, it is an hour fifty five or so. Um, but it's it's really interesting, and I don't. It's it's one of those documentaries. Unlike maybe our next one, it's one of those documentaries where anybody could get something out of it. Um, I, I honestly, I honestly plan on contacting Levy again and asking him about booking it for our theater for a week run or something. So, mm-hmm. um, oh great. So, uh, but yeah, that said, um, I give this uh, an eight out of ten. It's 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 not a like technical masterpiece. I don't, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have had to. I wouldn't have wanted to be the person that had to choose what made it into the movie. And yeah, I, I'm going to bring that up again in the next one too. But. Um, because you know it had to have been a daunting task, if, you know, as long as they filmed. But um, it's 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 a, it's a strong strong movie just by the subject matter alone. And um, I would I'd, I'd recommend it. I'll probably watch it again. So uh, yeah, eight out of ten for me. I echo everything you said, including the score. I really enjoyed it. Um, I I'm glad it it turned out the way it was because I had such high hopes for it and it was everything I thought it would be. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that we got the opportunity to see it because I do live in uh, hillbilly heaven and, uh, more than likely, unless it, unless it got released on, you know, somebody put it on YouTube or if it was on Hulu or Netflix, I did never probably got to see it. And, uh, thanks to Zachary for sending it to us. And, uh, yeah, I give it a solid eight. Uh, yeah. and, and I recommend, you know, like I said, uh, if you can find try it, right and now, find I, it. <laughs> I think it's still on the like small film circuit. Yeah, um, yeah, he's doing to, the he's doing the conventions or whatever and all that. You, you can know. go to uh, strongmanfilm.com. Um, that is the website for it, um, where the, he'll have a list of the screenings upcoming, and you can actually buy a stainless steel T-shirt on there. Um, but the uh, I think right now, like I said, it's just in the cinema, but hopefully we'll have a DVD release um, coming up and make people be able to check it out a little more widespread. So, Awesome. Two eights. Um, again, thanks, Mr. Levy, for sending that. And let's take a break, and we're going to come back and do another strong guy story. Uh, we're going to cover Memphis Heat, the true story of Memphis wrestling from 2011. We'll be right back. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. If you woke up with a cock in your mouth, would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected. <laughs> to look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right Character arm. Character from an old that. Disney film. It's the prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or areyouseriouspodcast.com. Give me Memphis, Tennessee. Help me find the party. Try to get in touch with me. 
Two things about that, uh, the Are You Serious uh, uh, promo there. One, we yeah. really need to make a new promo. But, uh, one is the, I was listening to it a couple weeks ago. I really liked uh, Chris talking to about his uh, movie theater trials, tribulations over the last few years. I, I can really uh, associate with some of that shit that he's going goes through. So, and, um, too, they, they, when they talk about the what's the thing between the dick and the asshole, uh, I was I posed the question to my wife last night. I was like, "Do fish have taints?" Because <laughs> I said something that like, seemed like it. Because my dog, you know, when dogs get dirty and then they go outside, they smell like they kind of smell like fishy when they come back in. So I was like, I might pet my dog. I was like, "Ugh, you smell like a fish's taint," and it just <laughs> came out. And I was like, "She's like, what?" I was like, "Do fishes have taints?" I don't even know. So. I mean, surely they have genitals and an asshole, so maybe the region in between there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I never, I never really spent too much time on the taint. I'm either in one hole or the other. <laughs> waka waka, waka waka. <laughs> All right. So our next review is a 2011 documentary. Again, uh, a screener sent to us. Um, Memphis Heat: The True Story of Memphis Wrestling, directed by. Chad Schaeffler. Oh. Um this is this is really there's not much as far as plot synopsis go. This is just a rapid fire story, like story after story or part you know, celebrity or name after name of the Memphis wrestling scene that's that really sprung up in the early fifties and went strong for probably fifty years, so yeah, uh, Zam, I'll let you take the lead here because I think you're a lot more familiar with the uh, this region, this territory than I was growing up. And we could talk about that too. Well, um, the most people, if I mean, even if you have a just a kind of a broad view of pro Rathlin, uh, I think that most people today would um, this this actual documentary, the person that they're going to recognize the most from it is Jerry Lawler. You know, the egg-sucking dog from (laughs) Tennessee. Um, Now, um, he is a big part of this and uh, because he ended up being, you know, a part owner of of the promotion uh, with Jerry Jarrett, whose son, Jeff Jarrett, is uh, a wrestler. I guess he sort of tries to he tries to be tried to be a top guy, uh, but you know when you own the the thing, that's probably why. Um, no, he was all right. He not not that great, but anyway. Um, but what this um, this documentary gets a, it shows uh, the evolution of a wrestling territory. And let me tell you something, people. Memphis wrestling was not wrestling. It was wrestling. <laughs> uh, you did see... Now, you, uh, much like a lot of other territories, uh, you had... It seemed like every territory had at least one guy that was a shoot real badass. Mm-hmm. That, because they would have fans that would... you know, At this time, uh, going all the way back to like the 50s, 
even up into the 70s and you know early 80s uh, people believed and even if when they walked away they said you know oh this is all bunk or you know it's all fake or whatever like that um, a lot of times you know there were people that still thought it was all real and there were people that when they would go to the matches would get so caught up in it suspending disbelief that there were times where you know hey they would jump somebody or jump in the ring or pull a knife or pull a gun and da 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 and you had to have some guys on the uh, roster that were legit what they called shooters that could you know whoop some ass and stretch some guys or or just knock them out um this this like i said shows kind of the evolution of this uh of this memphis territory and it goes all the way back to uh, you know Nick Goulas and um, the uh, the Fullers or what's were the Welches and uh, uh, and um, the one thing that I liked about it because I'm a you know big wrestling fan I freaking have watched as much as I could about everything and read as much as I could about everything every territory that there ever was. Um, one thing that I liked is when they went back and talked about some of the people and events that happened way before uh, videotape was around. And you don't see much of this stuff. You, uh, you, there's The only thing left are some of the guys that are left over that are still alive. And there's actually like Sputnik Monroe is in this. And he, uh, you know, not I think probably not too much longer after this was recorded or whatever, passed away. Uh, and it, you know, uh, before it was ever put out, uh, he, he had passed away, but, uh, you, there's the Memphis wrestling territory. Uh, it, it all, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories, about, you know, funny things. There's a lot of scary things that happen. Um, but also because of the time and place where this, this actually took place uh, you got some historical things that went on and like we were talking about um, you know I just mentioned this guy Sputnik Monroe Mm -hmm. Um, he was a bad guy and but and and that's all fine and dandy and he was a tough guy and back in the day you know they you know later on they did the blade jobs if they wanted to get color or have you know bleed in a match for a dramatic effect but uh when he first started they would do the hard ways which would you know be like okay you punch me over the eye as hard as you can and twist your hand and right above the eyebrow the the skin is kind of like boxers when you see them get cut it's like right over the They're eyebrow split. yeah that, and then uh, uh foley talked about this in his book and how yeah Harley Race in particular was one of the guys that would do it that way, and he would use this <laughs> yeah. knuckle, his middle finger knuckle, and just whap, mm-hmm. and just pop your eyebrow, and you you just bust open. It, and once you get the scar tissue built up, it busts open easier. Plus, then the fans at ringside say, "Man, he just hit him," you know, or mm-hmm. you know, he really, really did hit him, and and it 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 uh, was good for the business. But not only did you, you you get stories like that, but you get stories like uh, actually. And I never knew this for years until, you know, just when – not. I mean, ever, over the past few years, if you've ever read anything about Sputnik Monroe, which a lot – most people haven't, because um, it was I, such a closed up this business. book, uh, Sputnik yeah. Monroe, the, you know, the midgets and – what's the name of mm-hmm. the book? I, I ordered it as soon as I watched this, this movie last yeah. night. Yeah, and they have it for – they actually have it for sale on their website mm-hmm. too. Um, he was big time. Big time involved in 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 his own way in civil rights yeah. in the South. Uh, we're talking about a time now. Um, 
you know, after, especially, I mean, gosh, in the 50s and 60s, and even to some extent into the early 70s, you know, if you live down south, it's a different, it's a different place. Uh, we may take things for granted up here, whereas in that time, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, God, what am I talking about? Where I live now, I mean, uh, the 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 whole state was a Democrat state for ever since I can remember, and now that Barack Obama's in office, it's all turned Republican. Yeah. But all they have to do is say there's a black guy in office, and they're going to take your guns away, and everybody just turns. But uh, Sputnik Monroe was the kind of guy that he was friends with a lot of African American people. Yep. Uh, that was his fan base. He was a bad guy, but the but they loved him. And he, he would, would go. Yeah, to, he would go and yeah, Beale Street yeah. He, uh, in in Memphis. He'd go hang out there at the bars and stuff where it was basically colored bars, and they you know he, he had he had to go to court over it. Um, well, he'd get arrested for yeah. going. He would go. He, he would get arrested for going to a bar uh, because you're you're not supposed to be in there. You know, you're just causing trouble. You are a nigger lover and that's what they would say i mean he i'm sure he got that five million times but the thing was you would think in my mind now that makes him a hero he would be the he wouldn't be a bad guy he would be a hero but down there someone who ran around with the african-american people that hung out with him that ate with him that drank with him that had girlfriends that were you know they were they were bad guys and they segregated the matches um Everybody, like they would have a certain section up in the balcony that was for Negroes only. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because you know the, all the white people were wanting to sit up there. It was because this is where you're sitting and that's your section and you don't mix. Now, who was the well, guy that they got, interviewed a couple times that said they, they, they'd try to like pick on the wrestlers and stuff? There was a younger looking guy. He said he was a kid and he would go and watch them. There's a few times in it. I didn't know who he was, if he was a referee. He might have been. It probably was uh, Jerry Calhoun who was the referee. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think because he he uh, was kind of he was always around you know the, and even the guys that were like referees back then they didn't just referee and that was it they would be like on the ring crew they would work in the office and this and that and everything I just looked but, it up uh, fucking Jeff Jarrett is the current uh, AAA heavyweight champion in Mexico <laughs> Mexico yeah well, well, still, you know. he still does something with TNA and I think uh, is it I don't even know if it's AAA they, the, the Mexican wrestling promotion the but he does. I think they're tied with TNA somehow. Yeah, there was AAA and EMLL. Yeah. There were the two promotions down there. But the one thing, you know, Sputnik Monroe, he got to the point where he he just he told him, you know, he said, um, if you don't, it was almost like he not have a strike, but he 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 basically forced these promoters. He said, you know, hey, this is BS, this uh, segregating the matches. Uh, you know, these people should be able to sit wherever they want if they pay their ticket. Right. Well, then Nick Nick Goulas, who was like the tightest son of a bitch on the planet Earth, uh, you know, but he wasn't stupid. I can't remember what we – if we reviewed something recently where – oh, I know what it was. It was the uh, Jeff Bridges or the Richard Pryor Carr movie. Yeah. They said they, – they, they were like, you know, hey uh, – we may not like them, and we may not want to be with them and drink out of the same water fountain where, but if they have money, you know, whatever. So they would, they started, because of him, they started letting them segregate, or uh, not segregate, they desegregated the matches. So you had cool stories like that. Uh, most of this is, like Loaf said, um, just road stories and stories ab- uh, uh, about um, that 
most the, kind of behind the scenes things about driving up and down the road and stuff like that. You had uh, uh, Bill Dundee, who was kind of like uh, Lawler's off and on. He was either Lawler's partner or Lawler's main rival. Uh, and um, the Poffos, Randy Savage, uh, Lanny Poffo, and um, Angelo Poffo started a promotion, a rival promotion. They called it Outlaw Promotion. Uh, the Memphis promotion for years was the Welches and and Nick Goulas. And then uh, Jerry Jarrett started working for them and started buying stock in the company and this and that. And, of course, Nick Goulas was a – you know, some people say he was, really, he was a nice guy. Everybody said he was tight. But uh, uh, he kind of said, you know, Jerry Jarrett was supposed to have bought half of the promotion and he was supposed to own half. And he goes, you don't own shit. And, uh, you know, I, 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 all the money you gave me to buy stock, you know, you didn't, it wasn't really for stock. And so he said, well, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Everybody was tired of Nick Goulas being a shithead. He said, I'm going to take these, these guys. I'm going to go to them and say, Hey, let's start our own promotion. And they ran rival. And then Nick went out of business. Well, as long as you were part of the NWA, which was like a monopoly, yeah, it it, it was a monopoly, but they had a way of saying it wasn't because it was all these different promotions all over. So you can say, well, you know, Memphis is this, and Texas is this, and Florida is this, but they all worked together I guess to they call keep like anybody a, from starting up a governing body. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, um, the Poffos, Savage. Randy Savage, the Macho Man, yeah. Leaping Lanny Poffo, his brother, and their dad, uh, Angelo, Angelo Poffo, uh, the miser, and he was known for being t- super tight. Uh, they started their own promotion. Well, they they basically went to war because the Memphis promotion was always saying, you know, these guys are a bunch of bullshit. And they were saying, hey, well, they had like Ronnie Garvin, Bob Roop. Uh, Savage and Bob Wharton and these guys that were legit tough guys that could fight and could wrestle and they would challenge him every day or not every day but every week they'd say you know that Jerry Lawler he's nothing you know I could kick his ass da 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 and they actually had a war where everybody was carrying guns uh, and uh, Randy Savage jumped Bill Dundee in a parking lot for real and like you know busted his uh, broke his orbital bone in his eye so there was a lot of stories like that that you would never hear about uh i personally i loved it all i loved the whole thing cuz i'm a big wrestling fan i thought this was really well done but i really liked the stories about uh that went way back with um billy wicks and sputnik monroe yeah. and uh you know um mario galento which you had a story about mario galento incident now there there's a lot of um now as i said in the previous film I do not envy the person whose job it was to yeah. trim this down. Now, this is a more – I think this, this the audience for this film is a lot more specific. I, I don't think that somebody that's not really interested in wrestling is going to get out a lot out of this one. Right. Um, that said, if you're a wrestling fan, this is a fucking treasure trove. Now, it's – You will jack off watching this if this, you're a wrestling fan. This is great in that <laughs> this promotion – had a weekly television show all the way back into probably the early like late fifties. Mm-hmm. A weekly television show. Now I realize a lot of those tapes were probably destroyed to save money or whatever. Well, a lot know, of it was just done on uh, on film, and if they had tapes, they would. Yeah, every week they would just say, "Ah, screw it, we're not going to spend the money," and they'd record over them. But a lot of these guys are still alive, which is awesome, and. 
the mind of a professional wrestler is not a mind like like others. They mm-hmm. they a lot of these guys are just like walking encyclopedias of the business. Mm-hmm. To to be able to collect all of these guys like fucking Jackie Fargo, that guy is a riot. Um, <laughs> the, but and to have these this weekly television show, and I'm sure just you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours of tape of these matches and these crazy gimmicks and stuff that they would do really makes an interesting you know documentary but like i said to to choose what's going to fit in the inside a 90 minute documentary about something that was around for 50 years and was probably interesting for the most part better part of it you know it, that had to have been quite an undertaking Mm-hmm. But the, the there's a lot of extras on the DVD of this about you know the interview stuff that didn't make the cut, um, and one of them is it's it's on the Lawler part of the no uh, you know what it might have been on Jerry Jarrett's um, each person is each in the in the extra outtakes of interviews each person is divided up and they have little stories or whatever and, you know Jackie Fargo's got a really good one about going to visit a kid in a hospital that had can- it was dying of cancer or whatever but um this particular one was really interesting the Galento incident there was this guy Mario Galento who was he was a legit tough guy weird costume he would wear like these fucking capes and like had a handlebar mustache but yeah a uh, legit tough guy and um, basically, the you know they talked a lot in this about Tennessee having a bad reputation for paying wrestlers, and in particular the Roy, I forgot their name, Roy Welch, Roy Welch, yeah, and how yeah. they would just kind of you know there'd be a great show, but then afterwards the you know the Welch is it the Welches were they related? Was it the two? Who's guys? that the Roy Welch? Did, was it his brother or was it somebody another just another guy? The, Roy, it was Roy Welch and Nick Goulas. Goulas. Yeah, the, Welch and Goulas would be like, well, you know, the ticket sales were not exactly up to par, and they would kind of stiff. <laughs> so anyway, this um, – It's not how much you make. It's how much you save. You know, is yeah, Nick Goulas' favorite saying. I think, I think at this point they were uh, – Jerry, Jerry Jarrett um, was wrestling, and uh, uh, Lawler was just getting started. And how, 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 what a difference, you know, back to the previous film talking about charisma, you know, Lawler, he was never a super great wrestler. He, he's kind of a nerd. I mean, he's fucking, yeah, the, he draws comics and never, was, never drank, never had a drink. Uh, yeah. he doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs in See, a business where that's, uh, he's not, doesn't have a great body, but you know, he smart ass. Yeah. He <laughs> sold his shit so well. He was fucking tops and made so much money for you know thirty years before he went over to WWF and fucking Vince made him into a clown too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Jarrett was already kind of booking at this point when he was wrestling as well. And I don't, I don't know if Jarrett was ever like a super great wrestler or anything. Nah, but he, I he mean, a, he he did some main events down there, but it was mostly he was a little guy yeah. and uh, just kind of he would be mid-card guy if that now i mean he wouldn't be any he probably wouldn't even be in the business today but right. he was never like a, a superstar guy so well, except you know there right right right. yeah and 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 then was he had already started booking at this point and he said right. in this little interview that he had the he like he thinks that roy welch had a suspicion that he was trying to like work it like move in on his business and like take it over so apparently roy welch hired this uh mario galento to basically come in and jump uh Jerry Jarrett and uh, Jerry Jarrett in particular but Jerry Jarrett was having a Jarrett was having a match with Lawler on TV I think it was on TV well, you know I don't think it was on TV 
So, you know, they talked about Galento came in suddenly. Neither one of them knew it was going to happen and punched Jarrett in the back of the head and immediately, like, raised this huge knot on his head. He said it felt like an egg behind his ear. And, but then, you know, him and Lawler turn on Galento and Galento's like, well, shit, I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> Jarrett fucking pulls Galento's eye out. Mm-hmm. Right here. Yeah, that was, that's, the- a, that's a big uh, wrestling. Uh- uh, move! I I I even told guys that they're I said if you ever get in a fight, that's a, that's a Harley race move. They said everybody that ever fought Harley race, you knew you knew they fought Harley race because they'd have a big scrape mark in the corner of their eye where he'd try and stick his thumb in your eye oh. and pop your eyeball out. So Jared pops and I, I glued yeah. his eye out, and Lawler starts beating the shit out of him. Jarrett pulls a club out of his bag. And starts like just wailing on Galinto's face. Um, so that kind of like ended that. And there, you know, Galinto obviously wasn't happy about that, but apparently like, when he healed up, he comes back and he was telling everybody, he's like, tell Waller I'm coming for him. Tell Jared I'm coming for him. So they're having a match again, or I think it's just Lawler. He said, he's Lawler said he doesn't remember the guy he was wrestling. It was a smaller guy, a newer guy. And Galinto comes out with a fucking straight razor in the middle of his match. And Lawler just runs and throws a chair at, at Galento to slow him down. And I forgot the guy he said, but the the uh, as soon as they go behind the curtain, Galento, like the, a guy that was a uh, Sam something. Sam Bass? No. It was uh, Lawler's uh, manager. I can't remember his name. It was another wrestler. Um, yeah. but he said he had a giant pistol in his bag. And as soon as Galinto came through the curtain, the guy just like had the gun right there in Galinto's face. And this is yeah. right. This is in front of an audience. And there was like sheriff yeah. there like watching. And he's like, yeah, the, we should probably do something about this. So they, everybody got arrested <laughs> over it and everything. So, and they found in Galinto's stuff, like a thousand dollars in cash where apparently he had been paid off again. And you know, yeah. all, it's it's amazing this stuff that you know. Well, it's kind of almost like a what goes around comes around thing because that was after when Jarrett spun off, or when Jerry Jarrett, like I said, he thought he was partners with Nick Goulas, mm-hmm. and he said, "Hey, I'm," a, I, you know, Nick said, "I want you to have my son, who was the shittiest wrestler of all time, yeah. wrestle <laughs> in Memphis." And he said, "No, George sucks. I'm not going to do it." And he said, "Well, you'll either do it or you're fired." And he said, "Well, no, I'm part owner of the company." And Goulas said, "You know, you're not part owner of shit. All the money you've been giving me, you know, I've been just taking it, but I, you, you don't have stock in anything." So they spun off and said, "We're going to start our own thing," and took every. I think. Um, some a lot of the older guys stayed with Goulas, which would be Jackie Fargo, Tojo Yamamoto, Mario Galento, and guys like that. The young guys went with Jarrett because you know said, "Well, they'll pay him; he'll pay better." But then, of course, you know later on, you heard about how Jarrett was a horrible payoff guy. Uh, so it was just kind of like the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> yeah. But so there was almost like a war there where we'll we'll go shit that Jerry Lawler, he ain't worth a shit. I'll go down and beat his ass and then we'll prove that they suck. Nobody will go see them. They'll come back to Nick Goulas. The same thing happened. Jarrett was the established guy because Nick went out of business and the Poffos came in. So it was sort of the same thing, you know. The the, the funniest story, I, or one of the funny stories I heard about Mario Galento was uh, they were at a, a wrestling match, and, of course, he's he got all this heat, and they had, like, a riot. And uh, this was in, I think this was in, like, maybe, like, te- down in Texas or something, but it's still the story about Mario Galento. And um, 
they the the Mexican people uh, started rioting, so they went and they they held up in the um, in the locker room. Yeah, and you know that the, they had the doors locked and holding the doors closed so nobody could get in. And they said they they uh, they turned all the lights off because they started throwing rocks through the windows. Jesus. So they they turned the lights off and uh, they, there's all these Mexicans outside, you know, the outside the locker room, and they're just yeah, come on, you man, and um. They they get up to the uh, to the window, and Mario Galento says, "Does anybody out there speak English?" And this one, they said, everybody just went completely quiet, and they hear this one little voice go, "I speak English," <laughs> and he says, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> And so, you know, those guys, I've heard lots of stories about, you know, Don Fargo and Mario Galento, Billy Wicks, and these guys that, uh, Sputnik Monroe, that they were legit tough guys. They made it look as real as possible. If they were out in the crowd mm-hmm. fighting or something like that, they knew the crowd was right there. They would just lay it in, hit, hit, hit each other as hard as you could. Hit, uh, you know, uh, they would always say, uh, uh, hit hard in safe places yeah. is what, like uh, I think William Regal said. Well, these guys would punch each other in the face, and, uh, <laughs> and and a lot of these guys were were you know they were outlaws. In like Mario Galento, he, he almost looks like a Don Fargo was a biker. I think he was a member of the damn outlaws or Hell's Angels or something like that. Um, Jackie, but Fargo, um, the, this is Don Fargo, Don Fargo. was okay. the, the 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 tag team. The first big, huge heel tag team in Madison Square Garden were the Fabulous Fargo Brothers, which was Don Fargo and Jackie Fargo. Okay. And I found a great picture of the two of them uh, wearing uh, a fucking sequined uh, leotard. Or leotard uh, like, yeah. Like yeah. the one shoulder unitard. It's like the one over the, the shoulder, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to uh, send something your way, uh, uh, the, the, the guy I know, Scott Teal. Uh, and anybody that, that's looking for any – a lot of shit. Okay, you know, there's a lot of sources for wrestling stuff, uh, but Scott Teal, who you know I'm friends with, um, his crow, his website's called Crowbar Press. He does his own shoots. He t- he told me he said I don't make hardly any money off of him, so he doesn't want anybody to like pirate him or anything like that. Um, but he goes and interviews these really older guys like that, like Don Fargo, the Great Mephisto, and guys like that that a lot of people aren't familiar with, but. Um, yeah, the Don, Don Fargo is something else, and uh, I'll just just to whet your appetite. Uh, him and Jackie Fargo used to um, they had a big thing like they just loved to get naked. They would go down the <laughs> hitchhike down the road. <laughs> yeah, they'd hitchhike down the road completely naked. One of them would get up on top of the car completely naked, while the other one drove down the road going seventy miles an hour, and they would hold on to the seat belts. Uh, they would go into bars completely naked. Uh, Don Fargo had his dick pierced. And he would put it, hook a chain to his dick, and then hook the chain to a dustpan and put a cinder block on the dustpan to drag it across the floor. Uh, they would put. Um, he'd say, "Where's my toothbrush? I can't find my toothbrush." Hey, brother, where's my toothbrush? Walk around the locker room. He'd have the toothbrush stuck up his asshole, mm-hmm. and you know, act like he didn't know it was there. And then he'd take it out and brush his teeth with it, stuff <laughs> right out of his butt. So there's a lot of good stuff like that, which you know I'll try and uh, help you out with that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but th- th- I knew you know when we're talking about this documentary, we're we said we're going to kind of try and keep it tight because yeah, it's easy to get off on all the wrestling stories and everything. 
I, I don't think there's any better way to say I loved it. I love the documentary. Uh, I'm with Loaf that I think that if you aren't a wrestling fan, uh, it probably won't be as good. Now, maybe one thing that you might like about it is it has some stuff about Andy Kaufman. So if yeah. you liked you know, some of the Andy Kaufman stuff, there, there's a little insight on that. They focus a little uh, more on certain things. They focus a lot on um, uh, uh, Jimmy Hart. Um, yeah. And they focus a lot on the Andy Kaufman story. So that once they hit the 80s, they, they, it kind of slows down. This is this is filmed yeah. like a, you know, I mentioned Not Quite Hollywood and Machete Maidens Unleashed earlier. This is mm-hmm. the, a similar kind of thing where instead of like with Strongman, you focus on one, doc, you're documenting one particular subject. This is mm-hmm. kind of like a rapid fire like, hey, and then this happened and this happened and then there's this guy and then there's this guy. And it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really like, nice glossy like kind of overview of something that you could probably research and look like find shit on for days um, right you know and the, and the I, fact that they slowed down in the 80s is probably testament to when they you know they move television right. channels and they have a weekly like hour and a half show which god i i would love to find those shows i know they're around somewhere yeah. so well i think that um i'm not sure if uh, a lot of these promotions, I know World Class, AWA, and and a lot of them uh, at uh, Florida and stuff it. like that, they sold them all to Vince. Now, I don't know if Memphis did or not. I know Mid-South, Bill Watts' uh, wife, <laughs> they got divorced because <laughs> he's a big fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> the UWF he is a, stuff. Man, he's a big asshole. Uh, he, um, They got divorced and she got all of it, and she's got it – for sale, like on a on a uh, some, I, I found the website the other day, uh, but you can get it in other ways. It's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, the thing, and that's one thing. Like like I said, uh, uh, my friend Scott, I, I uh, encourage everyone to go to his website. He's got all kinds of books uh, that he wrote that other people have wrote. Uh, he has a uh, uh, he had like a a uh, not a newsletter, but something like that that was almost like a magazine he put out called. Uh, uh, whatever happened to or or something like that. I can't remember. I've got a bunch of old ones in my dresser drawer over there uh, where he would interview all these old guys. The thing – the one thing that I think that somebody who doesn't know anything about wrestling uh, might take from this is this was a closed society. Yes. Uh up until just maybe uh, the early 90s. Uh, yeah, when, when, I, I, when it started. I remember seeing the first shoot interviews when I first started working where I'm working now, which was 96. They, and they, up until that, then, they the didn't internet, talk yeah, about the, it the, the internet really changed a lot. And yeah. Jarrett has a good quote in here. He says, because of instant communication, the territories would have failed right. anyway. So a lot of yeah. people say, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point because a lot of people say, you know, that Vince buying everybody out, which that played a big part. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Vince yeah. was plundering these small territories in the early 90s or the early 80s. Um, you know, the fact that he took I'm surprised it took so long for him to pick up Lawler. But maybe Lawler was making a lot of money in Memphis. He was like number. He was top dog there for years. Yeah, um, that's he might have been approached earlier. They don't really talk about it. But Jimmy Hart, as a manager, was pulled out of there. Uh, you know, Jim Cornette yeah. went to the NWA, but even he ended up in WWF eventually. Um, yeah, and a lot of guys. Well, were it was just a changing small. time too. Yeah. It was a. It, I mean, uh, before then, before cable TV, and Loaf and I were talking about this before we even went on air. Is um, you know. 
I where I lived, you had NBC, CBS, and ABC and mm-hmm. a PBS channel. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was it. And on our local uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia channel, we got Detroit's Big Time Wrestling. I watched that all growing up. And we, we, we got syndicated for maybe a few months here and there. Uh, we would start getting Mid-Atlantic, which was Ric Flair, Wahoo McDaniel, Blackjack Mulligan, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and we did get the Poffo promotion when they were outlaws. So I got to see, I got to see some of that. Um, but it was just when cable TV took off, uh, uh, the, the first thing that uh, – Georgia Championship Wrestling was the first one. It wasn't even Vince. Uh, and they started running uh, – uh, they – you know, it was a Georgia promotion. And all of a sudden, they were running West Virginia. They were running Ohio. They were running Michigan. And they were running up there. So they started expanding. And then Vince saw that and said, well, hell, I better start, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, was just a, it was just a changing of uh, – t- the times were just changing. Yeah. Um, but also um, – they like when we got Detroit Wrestling. I'm sure you know WTAF or whatever in Parkersburg. Uh, they paid the Sheik's promotion to send them these tapes, yeah. and then they show them. Well, then when they when Reagan got in and started fucking with all the laws and everything, that's when you started getting the infomercials and stuff like that. So instead of me paying. Ole Anderson or Bill Watts or whatever to put to to put their show on TV because we knew it drew ratings for our advertisers. They said, "Well, fuck, we, why are we paying them? They should be paying us." Yeah. These infomercials, they just say, "Hey, here's an infomercial. Run it, and we'll pay you to run it." And so then they couldn't afford to pay the TV station. So right. it was just all a changing times and everything. But I think that. Um, this is a – if you wanted to look at it from someone who didn't know anything about wrestling, if they had any – if you could tell them in any way um, something that would interest them other than, like I said, the Andy Kaufman stuff is, is this is a um, – it was almost like a secret society. It was – it's almost like a subculture. These – like Lowe said, these people don't think the way you think. When they they, they use the term marks, it comes from a car- – like uh, a lot of their mentality comes from the carnival. It's a, it's all a con. Everybody, everything's a con. Uh, when they call you a mark, that's not a term of endearment. That means you are a stupid idiot that they're going to milk you for as much money as they can. Yeah. It's almost like a stripper, the the guy that goes to the strip joint. You know, you're a mark. You're they're there to take your money, or at a carnival where they have the fixed games and stuff. Um, and I heard somebody ask say the other day something about uh, like mixed martial arts and MMA, UFC, and all this stuff. And they said, um, I think Luthez said this, if money isn't, if the word professional is involved and money is involved, uh, there's always a chance that it's a work. And if those guys are getting beat up the way they're getting beat up in mixed martial arts and, and their careers don't last because they just tear their joints up, their hands and, you know, concussions or whatever, uh, if they told me a loaf tomorrow, hey, we're going to have a match between you two, and it's going to be a $100 prize. Well, okay, we can either get in there and beat the living shit out of each other and hurt each other and have to all kind of medical bills, or we can get in there and say, hey, love, let's get in here. We'll fucking roll around a little bit, and you we'll take 50, and I'll yeah. take 50. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, you know, and you're saving yourself. You're getting a little bit more showmanship, and it just – because pro wrestling to start was what MMA is. Back when George Hackenschmidt was fighting Frank Gotch – and shit like that, they'd get her down on the mat and they'd be in a hold for fucking an hour. Yep. 
uh, and people got tired of it. It, it was I found old newspaper clippings uh, when they used to have microfilm at our college because we didn't have the computer. <laughs> you go up here and look at these old New York Times and stuff. They'd have Strangler Lewis wrestled uh, Stanislaus Zabisco, and the match lasted three hours. And eventually the people just – if you got a guy in a headlock, he can't get out. Right. You're just laying there, and he can't get out unless you let him out if you get him in certain holds. Uh, so they had to – they's like, man, people aren't coming. We're not making any money. Let's make it more exciting. Let's uh, let's go out there and you do this. And it starts out, well, okay, you guys fight as hard as you can, but in the end, here's what's going to happen. And then it just evolves and evolves. And then you get fucking uh, Socko and Dude Love <laughs> and Handsome Jimmy, you know, and all this shit. But anyway. Um, okay, handsome, handsome Jimmy – was a fucking character now because handsome you know, Jimmy was awesome. We could t- we could talk about that a little bit. The 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 whole territory thing, like you said, you what you had. It's amazing <laughs> that you know, particularly like you know, just with people we know, you, me, and Sammy. You know, geographically speaking, we're all within you know we're all within pretty much six hours of each other. Right. But all three of yeah. us, and, or we could throw Will in here too because Will. Yeah. Being oh, Can- in Canada, he he didn't even get stampede, which is from Western Canada. But he got yeah, that's Cal. Yeah, he got um, you know the Northeast stuff, the WWF. I yeah. got Mid Atlantic. I got some Georgia. I got some UWF on occasion. You know, Sammy, mm-hmm. he was right in the heart of Memphis, and that was his thing. Mm-hmm. He was a he was an yeah. Austin Idol fan. And then you had Detroit up there near you know in the Pennsylvania yeah. area. You got that stuff from Michigan. You probably got WWF too. I mean, I think everybody started getting well. But the funny, the 80s, but. eventually, but it was funny at first. Um, if I went to my, okay, I live in my grandma's old house now, which is an hour and a half away from my mom and dad's. Um, it's totally it's an hour and a half away. Where I lived, everyone the 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 big sports teams were the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, either the Cincinnati Bengals or the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. Come an hour and a half to my – and it's still in West Virginia, an hour and a half to my grandma's house. They got WWWF Wrestling, which was Mm -hmm. when Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund were here. Uh, Everybody's a Steelers fan. Everybody's a Pirates fan, and everybody's a Penguins fan. Mm -hmm. So even though it's only 100 miles away – it was different, and I remember coming to my grandma's, and I would catch – I saw Chief Peter Maivia, who is The Rock's grandpa, turn on Bob Backlund on TV. <laughs> and I was nice. like, oh, oh, my God, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but, so it was different. And then when we would go to Myrtle Beach in, in the summer, I loved going to Myrtle Beach because if we got there uh, on, a, on a Saturday before noon, I'd get to see – Okay, I'd get, I, you'd get to see uh, all the Mid-Atlantic Worldwide Wrestling or Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. They had two shows. And uh, I got to see Ric Flair put a bounty on uh, you know, Black Jack Mulligan's head, even though they were <laughs> friends. Now they're enemies and shit like that. And so it was cool to travel around a little bit if you, if you could, but you never got to see any. But that's where the magazines came in. I knew mm-hmm. all these territories and shit just from the magazines. And now my kayfabe magazines are probably soaking wet in the basement. Oh. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. I, f- I feel a little. Um, I don't know. Like my my family was always too cheap to go to wrestling matches, and which is mm-hmm. really too bad because Greensboro and mm-hmm. Charlotte oh, yeah. were huge. Starcade '83, the first like big like pay per view, or I think it was probably closed caption television then. Yeah, uh, where I think that was where Flair won his title from Harley Race the first time mm-hmm. um, in a cage. In a cage. That was in Greensboro. That I that was literally forty five minutes. From where I grew up, and I, you know, 
it was not something I would ever go to. I remember when Hulk Hogan wrestled Kamala uh, <laughs> in Winston-Salem at a house show, and I wanted to go to that so bad. That was about 86, probably, maybe 87. Yeah, oh, yeah. Didn't make it to that one either. Well, I, I did not let me, see... let me put it to you this way. Most uh, uh, My dad, who I've spoken of fondly on this show, <laughs> uh, hated... Well, I was going to say he hated wrestling, even though my grandma and them said that you know they watched it. The, back in the fifties, they had what was called the Dumont Network. Yeah. And before Vince, I mean, this is nineteen fifties. This was gorgeous George, Buddy Rogers, and shit like that. They were national because yeah. they only had you only had two or three channels, and that was a national, nationwide. Uh, TV mm-hmm. and it was wrestling. The biggest thing on TV in the fifties was wrestling, and they watched it back then. But for some reason, my dad hated wrestling. But then, as I was going to to correct myself, my dad hated anything that I liked. If I liked <laughs> comic books, he hated it. If I liked wrestling, he hated it. If I liked so, I very I went sparingly. I we they would come to all the way from fucking Michigan. They would come to um, our local high schools. Mm-hmm. And wrestle for like chair, you know, just like a, a fundraisers and stuff like that. But not only that, then when Georgia wrestling started getting nationwide, like I said, they weren't making as much money in Georgia, and people were like, "Fuck, we're seeing this on TBS, man! Come up here, come up here!" They come up here and they would sell out everywhere, everywhere, high schools yeah. and everything. I got to see, you know, Flair and everybody in between, and then. Um, uh, uh, when they they switched to WCW, but it was still basically Georgia wrestling. Got to see the Road Warriors, Lex Luger, yeah. and all that shit uh, uh, against the Four Horsemen in Charleston, West Virginia. So when I got old enough to go and say "fuck you, Dad," I'm going anyway. But I'd still got to go when I was a kid. And let me tell you, I got to go when we thought it was still real. Yeah. And um, you know, the Sheik would come out and fucking he'd have he'd be like stabbing guys in the head and shit, <laughs> and be bloody. And uh, it was just like I remember going back behind to the locker rooms and standing around getting our autographs and oh it's, it was the greatest thing in the world you'll never i mean that that, that those days are over yeah uh but it was awesome i i, I but, never uh, i never got to see a live uh wrestling event until uh-huh. um i was old enough to drive um yeah. my you know my yeah. dad was the same way honestly was, it's funny you said that because i think my dad hated everything i liked too because he didn't yeah. like he didn't watch <laughs> baseball i loved baseball as a kid he he hated the comic books that i read he really fucking hated wrestling every time that was on my parents tried so many times to keep us from watching it too she's like my I, dad's like why do you like that shit it's fake i'm like yeah okay <laughs> i always wondered if it was if it was that that uh yeah it's like getting a little too personal but i always wondered if it was if they hated everything i liked or if they just fucking hated me. <laughs> and you know what? I don't fucking give a shit. Fuck off, man. Yeah, he, 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 really didn't like, he really didn't like that we watched wrestling, my brother and I. My brother yeah. was younger than me, so... Um, that shit's stupid. That shit's yeah. fake. I heard that so much, and I'm like, yeah, but it's fucking fun. What do you care? <laughs> and And... We, he, he did go get now, some pussy asshole. To be, to be fair, he did help us get tapes of uh, pay per views um, when they oh, started. Hell, that's not bad. When because he had a friend, uh, this guy Shady Grady. Uh, Shady, he must Shady, have been Shady. Shady Grady a had tape. a big satellite dish with a D scrambler on it, and he would get WrestleMania and you know the NWA pay per views back in the late eighties and early nineties. And so we would get, you know, we'd we'd be waiting just by the door when my dad would come home from work on Monday afternoon with that tape from the, the weekend. Oh my God, we'll be fucking excited for that. Um, 
and we wore some of those tapes out. It was awesome. So, but, um, yeah, it's like, you know, my memories of, my memories of wrestling are restricted to TV only. And back to the, you know, the Memphis heat, the fact that they had a weekly TV show that really had a nostalgic feeling for me because being able to watch, you know, even back into the nineties, like WCW Saturday night, I guess it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a Saturday night TV show and I fucking would love coming home. And I remember, Oh, I love the Saturday. It's a six, six Oh five to eight Oh five Yeah, on TBS. It's the greatest. We, uh, we'd go like, that was always a big day for grocery shopping. So my mom would go mm-hmm. grocery shopping in the afternoon and we'd be with her and then we'd rush home. I'd have bought some like, some like he man stickers for one of this album. And I'd be fucking putting <laughs> stickers in a book and watching fucking midnight express and uh-huh. rock and roll express. And, I'll crazy. tell you what they, you know, the, the, they can say whatever they want because they started sh- having every like raw or whatever is like in a big arena and everything. Yeah. Um, even when I watched those old Memphis shows, and that's how Detroit was. They it was it was basically now. I mean, they actually called I think WWWF in Pittsburgh. Uh, they called it stu- the show was called Studio Wrestling, but that's mm-hmm. what it was. They they filmed it in or shot it in a in a TV studio. And you watch it, and there's probably I don't know, uh, maybe fifty. People, maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, right. if, if that. And 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 they only go around three sides of the ring, that you know, because you exactly had the, yeah, the one that side was. Of the camera was, and the, and the ring usually wasn't really that super high off the ground because you couldn't make it as high as it was an arena because the guys would hit their heads. I remember Bobby Eaton saying he'd jump off the top rope <laughs> and fuck, he'd hit his head on the lights, you know. Oh, fuck but it, uh, was I I wouldn't. They may have. Uh, I always watched Georgia wrestling with Gordon Soley, and I would think to myself, "Fuck! I wish I lived right there. I would go every Saturday to that TV, the fucking TV uh, the TV taping." And uh, of course, you never did. But anyway, uh, it's a very lot. You know, it's full of this. Like this, this, this um, DVD is just full of nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't know anything about uh, that territory, it's fun to. It's it's almost like. Um, you're you may be listening to stories about guys that you never saw, but their stories are so fucking crazy and entertaining it's, it's and a, interesting. It's a business not like much other because these guys, yeah. you know, it's this is why it's always as an adult been intriguing to me. Even when I've grown out of certain aspects of the wrestling business, being mm-hmm. just knowing like. You know, sports are one thing. You know, you got football players that have injuries and blah blah blah. But ultimately, what that is is a true competition, and where they're getting money for winning games and selling T-shirts and jerseys mm-hmm. or whatever. Wrestling, it you know, for the past sixty, seventy years, has been a work. And the fact that these guys go out, sacrifice, and this is what they know—they sacrifice their yeah. health for mm-hmm. something that's ultimately just entertaining they hurt themselves yeah, family life there's most of the old. guys are divorced <laughs> yeah and and it's a, it's just very intriguing to me this like carnival style lifestyle where you're constantly yeah. traveling and you're and they would not let you in i posted a uh, a clip one time uh of uh, a guy that was trying to get into wrestling and uh eddie graham in florida was notorious for this and the clip was of bob roop and he fucking beat the shit out of this guy yeah. and they would do that on a regular basis every territory would have a shooter or a hooker that would if you said, hey, man, I want to learn how to wrestle, they'd be like, okay, 
yeah, come on down, sign this release that if you get hurt, nothing, you can't sue us. And the guy would be like an Olympic level or like Jack Briscoe was a fucking two-time national amateur champion. And say I go down there and I'm like, man, I love wrestling. I'd love to go down and have you teach me how to do it. Stu Hart was notorious for that. Get you in there and just fucking beat you off, yeah. to death. Tear your arm out of socket, fucking uh, cauliflower ear, bust your eye open, uh, you know, and then they'd make you do calisthenics to – until you couldn't even hold your arms up even if you could fight back. And then say, okay, now we're going to put you in there with Danny Hodge, who was the toughest fucking human being on the planet Earth that could break pliers with his bare hands. And he was a fucking national wrestling champion, Olympic wrestler and everything. Mm -hmm. And he was the the skinniest guy there. So if they say, okay, pick one of those guys to wrestle, and you'd be like, well, there's Blackjack Mulligan. He's six foot eight, 300 pounds. There's so-and-so. I know he's tough as hell. I'll take that little guy over there. And he was the toughest guy there was there. And he would beat you until you were half dead. And then they'd send you back. And, say, and so you would tell all your friends, fuck that shit. You guys said that was fake. They killed That guy killed me. I couldn't do anything. You yeah. know? It's, it's, um, it's, it's such an interesting business. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's a dirty business too. Big it time. Is, it is. And that's what, another thing that just makes it so intriguing is that it's, it's, it's still fucking shady. And yeah, it's it's mafia like almost. It, it, that NWA was. They said it was. A, it was. Everybody said, "Oh, I remember the NWA it was so great." And all, a lot of the wrestlers say, "Hey, NWA stood for No Wrestlers Allowed," <laughs> because they, that was all the promoters, and they would take the money. They were like mafia dons, yeah. and those guys that I was just talking about were like their hitmen, and uh, you know. They they would blackball people to where you couldn't ever wrestle again uh, if you tried to start a union or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, you don't pay any health insurance, no nothing. And these guys were like, "Man, I want to be famous," you know. Uh, but posted, anyway, Zom posted a um, uh, or a comment I think about on on YouTube. There is a Best of Lawler series um, that yeah, someone has like com- compiled. Um, there's lots and lots of videos of Lawler videos on there, and yeah. Jerry Lawler is one of those guys that you know he's a he was very successful where he was, but you you know you never look at him and think that he was ever going to be successful if you're mm-hmm. just familiar with wrestling today. But that guy, you know, say what you will about him, he you know he was interested in wrestling. He was not a big guy, but he knew and young to, girls. <laughs> you know, but he knew how to he knew how to sell himself um and he has a passion for the business and it's you know it's just him and him and Jarrett both you know it's they did they did some really cool looking cool seeming stuff there and uh I, I you know you know even Lawler talks about how he got into the business um how when he was just a teenager he would do he would go and see the the shows now you know back then with TV back even through the 80s They'd have that weekly show that was mm-hmm. just a small little crowd, and that wasn't where they made their money. The show ended up being just an ad for coming out this weekend and see the big show. So, with yeah. you know, in Memphis, it was the Monday night at the uh, at the Memphis Coliseum with you know thirteen, fourteen thousand people would show up. Where you know, every week, every week sellout like, and you know, Vince is like he might come to your town once a year. Yeah, so they were to every week in the same place, and. Um, and it was interesting the you know with uh, Lawler would wa- he would go to the shows on Monday and he would draw his like he he's a very good artist if anybody doesn't realize mm-hmm. he draws like comic book style art and he would draw highlighted like like caricatures and stuff of the show that he watched on Monday and he would send it to and what was the guy's name the announcer for the television show in Memphis Lance Russell he'd send it to Lance Russell and Lance Russell would Banana use he, he would use his Lawler's cartoons 
uh, or his little drawings to talk about the Monday night show. And he actually called Lawler on the phone. He's like, is this Jerry Lawler? And Jerry Lawler's like, oh my God, oh my God. And that's how he got started with Memphis Wrestling is that he would send his drawings every week um, as like highlights of the Monday night show. And um, and he talked about his first match. Wanting to, he all he wanted to do was get thrown out by these two guys, the assassins or something. He did, they, he saw him throw this dude out of the ring, where the guy didn't like hold onto the ropes to break his fall. He just went straight out onto the floor into the chairs. And Lawler's like, "Oh my god, I got to do that." And he did, he did in the middle of the match, his first match, he had lied and said, "I have experience in Florida." Yeah, and the guy's like, "Yeah, who yeah. did you wrestle for?" He's like, "Uh, I don't remember his name." But yeah, so I like one guy. He put him in a match, and he, in the middle of the match, he told the mask guy, "He's like, hey, throw me out of the ring." Uh, and the guy's like, okay. And he said he grabbed him by the back of his neck and his trunks and sent him flying. And Lawler said he tucked his arms in because he wanted to do just like that guy. And he said he just made a huge splat on the cement. And he woke up in the back. In the back and the guy's like, hey, are you all right? And he had been unconscious for 15 minutes. He didn't even finish the match. That was his. That was the memory of his first match because he had hit his head on the cement right outside the ring. So that Jerry Lawler is nothing but a lying thief. Uh, and the honky tonk man knows, and that guy and you get fucking to, age, man. He Lawler still looks great. Lawler still looks the same. Yeah. Fucking, what are you gonna do? I mean, do? you know, what are you gonna do? All right. Well, <laughs> I give this I, as a wrestling fan. I give this a ten. Yeah. As a movie fan, I'm tempted to. I can't. I can't fucking break up between being a wrestling fan and a movie <laughs> fan because the main thing about uh, cinema is to entertain me. Uh, you know, of course I am the fucking target niche for this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, Jesus Christ, I, there's nothing wrong with it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say this cause I mean, I, you know, I don't give out tens, but for what it is and uh, yeah. me being a wrestling fan and everything, I love it. I watch it over and over and over. I'm not, I, to give I, it to, I, I'm not afraid to give it a 10 either. And, I guess Point. technically speaking, um, like I said, yeah. it's, 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 it, it was probably a very, very daunting task to try to trim this down yeah. into an hour and a half. And they do, yeah. um, for better or worse, focus on certain things over others. I would really have liked to have seen a lot of more you know, Sputnik, Sputnik Monroe stuff. But I, I understand why they focus on the 80s stuff because that's what they have the footage for. You know, If they focus on 50s stuff, you're just going to have you know Monroe sitting there in front of a ring talking and – and yeah. you know, being a being a fan of of you know shoot videos, you know, the, for those of you not, not familiar with that, shoot videos are where, you know, a wrestler's obviously just paid a little money and they are asked questions. Sometimes you hear the questions, sometimes you don't, but they're usually about an hour, maybe an hour and a half long, where they just talk about certain parts of the business or they talk about you know, they might even talk about their entire career. Like you know, there's there's probably shoot videos for most older wrestlers out there now that, you know, a lot of them that are still alive. And like I said, they haven't, you know, this encyclopedic knowledge, you know, this is why I'm really getting into reading these wrestling books. Now the Stan Hansen book has been very interesting. Um, but these are like really professionally done. Like usually these shoot videos are just like in a hotel room or something. They have a banner hanging behind them for the company doing their thing. And, it, and they're, you know, they're pretty low, low quality. This is like a professionally done, like it's well lit um and the you know each guy has his thing like, i fucking love jackie fargo man that guy's a character the but the, you know he's like he looks like he's in his own gym i think he lives in north carolina now but um yeah 
the nice silk shirts, <laughs> slick back hair. <laughs> fucking his, he's still got his fucking six back, his slick back looking greaser look that he probably had in the fifties, but it's turned into a mullet. <laughs> um, and he has the, a bar down there somewhere, I think. Okay, I have to find. Yeah, it. the uh, but you know we it's, gotta go it's, down there. <laughs> it's very interesting. Be like or we ever find. <laughs> um, they had a thing. It was just like. Um, Oh my god! Probably like maybe a month ago, somebody posted on one of the wrestling message boards that he died, and because I can't remember what his real name is, but um, uh, they posted that you know that 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 name that you know the guy passed away and, da, 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 and everybody was shitting themselves. Well, it wasn't even him. Uh, <laughs> he even came on there and said, "Yeah, no, it's not me. You know, it's fucking somebody else." Um, he's looking old as hell, though, man. Yeah, well, he is old as hell. He, he wrestled, like I said, in the fifties in, uh, in Madison Square Garden. So, yeah. but this is um, <laughs> this is really a really like it's a higher budget version of of shoot interviewing. Yeah, um, that's the fu- the foundation of this. But like I said, and the fact they have them all together, you know, they got all the guys. It's not just one guy, you know. Sure. And if they focused on just the fifty stuff, it would have just been a long shoot interview yeah. because they don't have that footage. That just doesn't. It's not around like it was. So. But that said, it's very well edited. Um, it's it is rapid fire, which some people might have an issue with. But I I, I like that I found myself continuously just uh, pausing it to write down a name or something of somebody. I can look up <laughs> later. Um, but it's just like you're going to be barraged by, and, you know, and especially if you're interested. His name's Henry Faggart. Um, especially Henry- if you're interested. Oh. <laughs> in it. <laughs> If no wonder he changed his name. <laughs> yeah. You probably can't get over as much if dressing in a, a sequined unitard and a top hat if your last name is Faggart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he died Fag- <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, He might have been chastised as much as fucking Sputnik for uh, for uh, kissing a black man or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They got some sweet lips. <laughs> but this Dark is the, berry, the sweeter the juice. <laughs> I always say that. I say the one with the, the joke they make in Friday. I always say it to my wife. I was like, the older the berry, the sweeter the juice. And she's like, that's not how it goes. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's for Friday. It's like, man, no. it's the blacker the berries, the sweeter the juice. He's like, I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> What you motherfucker? But um, yeah, this is awesome. Um, for a wrestling didn't have fan, enough honky tonk man in it for me. <laughs> it didn't have any honky tonk, funk and honk. I think you said honky tonk and Lawler made up though, right? They so, made up. Yeah. Okay, that's too bad. They did. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, do yourself a favor. Look up some Memphis stuff on YouTube. Um, look at that motherfucker. And if you're a fan, a fan of wrestling. Fucking go to MemphisHeatTheMovie.com. I really appreciate them sending us this DVD to review. Yes. But you Thank buy you. this fucking movie. This is worth it. It's like 20, 24 bucks, but God, it's like fucking yeah. four hours once you count in all the extra rev- interviews and stuff like that on the extras. It's an hour and a half movie with about three hours of just interviews and shit as extras. It's worth it. I and mean, they have the, uh, the, the book that Loaf was talking about. Is, um, yeah. It is on their on their website for sale, and it's it's you know by the title it you would think it's just all about Sputnik Monroe, but it it uh, it goes all the way back, and it ta- it's just like this uh, documentary. It talks about everybody has pre- it has like a, a newspaper clippings, pictures from I mean every kind of damn picture you'd ever want to see about all these guys. Are in. It's a pretty cool book. I got it. Sputnik masked men and midgets: the early days of Memphis wrestling. 
as a CD yeah. apparently, but I, I ordered that ordered it last night with a book light because I've been wanting to read a lot more when my wife's asleep and I can't have the light on, so I have to like get a little like arm necked, a little bendy neck book uh, book book light so I can read late into the night. Boop, so. boop, boop. <laughs> yeah, so I bought that. Motherfuckers that. I, bought that. I bought a Brody document, a uh, Brody book, and uh, <laughs> Sputnik Monroe book. So, yeah, well, I'll be talking about those short soon, I'm sure. So, so yeah, uh, for wrestling get fans, this documentary check and it get out. Strongman too. Ask, ask, uh, write some letters to uh, freaking Levy. Yep. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, everybody that you can think and just say, hey, man, let's. I want to watch this uh, documentary called Strongman. Yep. Let's get the word out because it's good. Yep. All right. So uh, let's take a break and we'll come back and do a little bit of feedback and that'll be it. We'll be a great book. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's house. Well, maybe not Big Mama's house. And the great thing about Cat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. Well, it's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libsyn.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help uh, kill an hour. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> if you are sincere When you say you don't care We're back from break, burping and farting and all of that fun stuff. I'm trying to find it. I apologize, but I'm okay. I've been trying to find the date of Taco Bell's new Doritos Locos Taco. Cause I is that the one you posted before yes. that you were saying? I wonder if it's going yeah, to... Sometime I in March. Try that myself. Oh, my God. March? Yeah. It is March. I know. That's why I just started looking it up. I was like, oh, shit, it's March. Dorito Taco. It's not out yet, though? I don't think it is. I think it's mid-March. Mm. Dorito Taco. Dorito Taco. Oh, God. <laughs> I, wonder if I, I wonder if that's gluten-free. <laughs> yeah. It might be. Well, their meat's not gluten-free. But <laughs> Let me tell you something. I ate something the other day that had gluten in it, and I, I knew it did, and I ate it, and I, I felt like shit for two days. Or actually three days, because I'm just feeling a little bit better today. <laughs> but Jesus. I, so it's not – sometimes, it's, you know, hey, the people at work were trying to get me to eat a donut the other day because we're on the weight loss challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, I told my, my one friend that he started out weighing 309. And he's just a big dude. He's not like a big fat guy. He's just big. He lifts weights and stuff. And uh, I said, hey, Ron, if you eat that fucking donut right there, I'll eat the other one. And he fucking started eating it. And he's like, come on. I was like, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> you motherfucker. I said, I was testing you, you motherfucker. You're like, You're like Jerry the King Lawler. 
<laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> you just throw a fireball at his face and ran, run off. <laughs> oh, man. He threw some fireballs. He threw some <laughs> fireballs at Hanson Jimbo from Mempho, too. <laughs> uh, how awesome was it in that documentary when fucking when Valiant comes up behind him when he's trying to sing with the gentries and just smashes that guitar <laughs> over his big noggin? There was one match... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lawler was wrestling Harley Race for the NWA title, and fucking Handsome Jimmy fucking slides in the ring and smashes a beer bottle over Lawler's <laughs> face. <laughs> and I think Jimmy had a uh, had a fucking patch over his eye for some reason. I can't remember. I know uh, uh, Austin Idol and Handsome Jimmy Valiant are the Sam U Rise favorite wrestlers. I remember him as he was Boogie Woogie Man, right? Yeah, and yeah. When yeah. he came to when he came to Mid Atlantic and stuff, I remember him as that with his big Jesus Christ. And, yeah, it's kind of. I remember when he was he was uh, one of the when they when he him and Luscious Johnny Valiant were the WWWF tag team champions, mm-hmm. and every fucking magazine would have a picture of them and Bobby Heenan was their well Bobby Heenan was their manager when they were in WWA for Dick the Bruiser. I think when they went to WWWF, I think it was Albano. But every magazine would be a picture of Bobby Heenan's face all bloody and Handsome Jimmy and Luscious Johnny's face all bloody. Nice. Awesome. Good shit. It is good shit. They were like the loaf and zom of, um, well, no, not really. (laughs) No, we've already established that we're the fucking mulkies of podcasting. (laughs) Yeah, kind of the mulkies. (laughs) We're the jobbers to the gentleman's guide. We're like mulkies. (laughs) Jobbers to the gentleman's guide. We are jobbers. All right. Uh, let's do a little feedback. Uh, we got an email from Walter the Einstein Frog again about our uh, uh, Asian ass uh, comments. <laughs> yeah, great. So uh, Walter says uh, oh, well, the, the subject is A Z N A Z Z, A Z N A Z. Uh, I was listening to your latest episode while showering, and my girlfriend overheard it. She was offended that you guys said Asian women don't have asses. Uh, she's she's Chinese uh-huh. and says she has a big butt. I asked her if I could take pics of it and send me, <laughs> send it to you guys, and she said no. But when I told her you guys were talking about a Japanese movie, she said, oh, okay, that's okay then. They're cool. <laughs> uh, thanks for enriching my life even further, Walter the Einstein Frog. That just doesn't seem as funny. Second time. <laughs> we, let's let's have full disclosure really quickly here. I my okay my I just got a weird fucking error from my computer. It said disk is too slow, not recording, and this is after we fucking did all of yeah. feedback. So fuck it. So shit. if we don't sound as if if we don't laugh as much or think that that like the feedback or anything is it just doesn't. I mean, if it seems like our reaction isn't like you know we think. Yeah, so uh, this is the second time we've restarted. Uh, I just had some weird computer issues that I haven't seen before, so had to save and restart and all that fun stuff. So anyway, back to Walter's um, Walter's voice. Oh, yeah, and we apologize if we've lost a little steam for the voicemail. So because, like I said, we already did it once. So um, yeah, the the uh, the guy at work I, I, I mentioned before <laughs> we did, weren't recording. Um, I actually work with a Korean gentleman, and uh, I mentioned the uh, mentioned to him the, I guess, in slightly controversial things we said last week about uh, the Whoa. the in the Japanese film we were watching the gorilla, girl boss gorilla about the you know they all had nice. I was like I said to him I was like they all had like these great racks, but the 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 asses just seemed a little flat, and we were just wondering. 
if that was just a you know a trait of Asian women, and without hesitation, he just said yes. <laughs> so, so there it is from the mouths of babes or something. <laughs> um, the uh, and yes, uh, Walter, if you can uh, snap a gorilla shot of your girlfriend's big butt. Zom and I, I'm yeah. sure both would. We'll, we'll cut the head off so nobody will be able to tell who it is. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? If you do, we won't even show anybody but our best friends. <laughs> and maybe my dog. I just posted a yeah, well, picture you know. of my dog on the Facebook groups. If you like. I thought that was a wet spot on the fucking uh, – on your carpet. I was like, God, he's having li- – what do you do? Spill something all over his carpet? I spilled I spilled. What kind big, of dog is that? A miniature poodle. Oh, yeah. okay. I, sp- I, spilled a big, I spilled a big pile of of uh, black pubes on my. <laughs> on my is it is it hypo hypoallergenic? It is. Well, there you go. He is hyper, hypo, hypoallergenic, so he's now he collapsed in the exact same place he did before. <laughs> there must be it's something nice. about that place on the floor. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we got some uh, a couple voicemails. Uh, they're going to sound very familiar to a couple of us. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> First voice Fuck man. a duck. Here's what I will do now. I will tell you that Sean Penn is one of the finest actors of our time. <laughs> Let it go, Secondly, Let it go. The talk of, of Mr. <laughs> or Mrs. Boner. Boner. And the different pronunciations. Boner. Remind me of three teachers I had in junior high school. My French teacher was Mr. Jean Long. My English teacher was Mr. Buttery. And one of our phys ed teachers, his Ooh. name was Mr. Larry Dick. I am not talking about this. About that. When what? you combine Cold chills all three about names, or whatever. it still makes me laugh after all these years. <laughs> and my accent has developed from... Ninth-rate Cockney to Delta Blues to something else, Australian perhaps. When you combine all three names, you get Mr. Long Buttery Dick. (laughs) And if it was Robin Williams, it would be Buttery Hairy Dick. That one's for you, Tom. (laughs) Fucker. (laughs) Go back to France, motherfucker. I love a voicemail called in from someone with an accent every time. If you're taking French in Canada, is that like, do they even call it French? Or is it just like, you know, we take English here? I did one thing, and I've been too lazy to look it up. Uh, I noticed setting up a computer at work the other day that it gives you the choice of uh, the American keyboard layout or Canadian English. And I'm like, I was wondering what the difference was. They have six fingers on each hand. <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah. truth. It's the truth. Um, yeah, so. Wow. so, yes, uh, we thank your voice, Mela Jacques, with the, from the Delta Blues. Yeah, that was the in. goddamn Mountie, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think that was the Mountie. We thank you, Mountie, for calling in with your long, buttery dick story. Uh, and for we- punching out Dynamite Kid. <laughs> and for shocking big boss man to the point of powdered sugar slobber coming out of his mouth. Nah. 
Oh, this is so grueling. <laughs> Next voicemail. <laughs> What's this one going to be? I do not hey, know. guys. Cinder Master's Justin here. Oh, it's Cinder Master's Justin. Justin, you're what you've been watching last week. Before I do that, oh, though, i got to brag a bit. Loaf brought up my Elimination Chamber prediction to see how I did. Well, I got them all correct. All right, I can't really brag that much because there was only five matches on the card, and technically only four announced. They added a fifth one last minute for some time filler. And they're pretty predictable, so it actually wasn't that hard. We'll see how, do I, how I do with uh, WrestleMania. But, hey, still, I guess i got to brag for all the listeners out there. But anyway, let's get on the topic. The two movies first. One that I watched was on um, myself and the Skype party, that being The Workshop. And uh, it's a good thing I watched this with Dom in the party, because when he mentioned it to me, we didn't originally plan on watching it. He just popped it on, and then we all just followed suit. So I was like, yeah, this could kind of be fun. I'll put it on my queue, maybe watch it later. Well, it was fun to watch with a group to mock it, but it is a pretty oh, shitty documentary. As he said, mm-hmm. a bunch of whining, weird James Cameron lookalikes, and there's uh, some other people that look like that. There's somebody, one guy that looks like Kevin Nealon. So if you ever want to see Kevin Nealon naked, this is the closest you're going to get. To you know what? I actually feel like Kevin Nealon did something nude in uh, uh, Weeds. Do you ever watch that? Have you ever watched that show? Yeah, uh, no. It's pretty funny. It, I mean, it got it was funny the first couple seasons, but um, there's a really great scene where he's like doing this uh, whole slow presentation. Like, it, it seems like he's going to commit suicide. He's like setting up a noose and oh. stuff, but then it ends up being just like he set up a noose, puts himself like stands on a chair, but then like chokes himself while he's jerking off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So anyway. I've never done that. I they say it makes it like really intense. Yeah, I'm not but you know, Jesus Christ, I like make fuck faces already when I jerk off. <laughs> My toes get toe cramps, and I'm like, you know, I'm intense. That, there's two people out there who want to see Kevin Neal naked. Dom and Luke, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's fun and funny to mock it with friends. But if you're going to watch this by yourself, I don't know if I, don't know if I would have made it through. So, but definitely everybody check out skate parties if you can. Just you know, hit me, Dom, Jake McClark. Hit us all up, boy. You know, Jay, hit us all up. We, we can hook you up. And you can join in on those parties. Rude. And the other film oh, was wait, something I that uh, Loaf watched that the brim brought to all of her attention. It's a documentary on Netflix Instant. What did he say? say? I do love how the beginning... Went- I don't know. Something about me and something about Netflix Instant. Oh, I brought it up. In the Bryn, inter- uh, he po- posted it on oh. the group. The Kane and yeah. Abel is what he's going to say. I don't Brent know how something. I know that, but... I thought he said... Brum, 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 brum. The show first okay. started uh, Loaf of Singer and some like, documentaries. And now it doesn't seem like he, he watches at least one almost every week. So I kind of... I like that. Anyway, so it's uh, Abel Races King. Now, just like, like Loaf, you. I haven't heard of this guy. Though I had heard of it, the one film he made is their Sex After Death. So I, get, I heard partially of them. Yeah. Um, as he said, it's not a great, like, I guess, filmed documentary, like, edited-wise. And, you know, the, the, the daughter doing the narration, she kind of had a... That's what saw her. Her voice was still kind of a young... I know she's probably in like her 30s or so, but she still sounded like she was 12, so I could give it away. But that doesn't really matter. What matters is this is a really fun film about a uh, newscast, like a prankster of, of the news media, and I really enjoy that because the media needs to get shit on. And there's uh, quite a, fun, a few funny spots. One in particular. Are we part of the media? Even, I guess, aimed for last, but it was just when um, he gets in. This isn't too much for yes. well, One of the guys does figure out. <laughs> and Justin is hoaxing us right now. <laughs> he kind of goes on this tirade of how he should be arrested. And I'm like, well, arrested for what? Making you look like a dumbass? And if that's the case, well, everybody would be in jail. But uh, stuff like that. But I did enjoy a lot of it. The uh, I got a big kick out of the breastfeeding, how uh, it, how he's trying to uh, ban breastfeeding and just some of the reactions of people. And I just love how great he is and that he doesn't break character 
during any of these. Uh, it, 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 the only time he does, obviously, when he gets found out by the one reporter, and I think he just said he was angry, which kind of sucks for him because that might have made him look a bit bad in some people's eyes, and he would have been better, so I kind of just mocked the guy. But I did like when he was on the Morton Downey Jr. show, if anybody remembers that. Um, and he got found out. He just had this, like, shitty thing. Uh, whatever look on his face. But, yeah, it was a really fun documentary. It's really quick. I recommend everybody check it out. Especially if you zombie, enjoy it. And uh, it's fun. I, I don't know if Abel's still alive or not. Um, Kane is in WWE. I want to say this is in, like, 2007. The more I think about it, it might have been 2003. I knew there was that prank Will in the we? film, but... Yeah. Uh, all right, first of all, I was getting hung up on it. It was just my favorite one. All right, I got to stop rambling. I'll give you guys a call next week, and keep up the good work. You should you should check out that documentary though. If, uh, um, you, you'd enjoy it. It's good. Um, the, uh, I'll uh, watch it. What? I'll watch it. The um, speaking of Morton Downey, I love that uh, the angle they did with him and uh, Roddy Piper back in the I think it, I guess it was late eighties. Uh, Damn, blowing smoke in Piper's face and Piper fucking is he uh, dead? Morton Downey Jr. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was funny when Piper blew the fucking fire extinguisher in his face, though. That was pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, he died in two thousand one. So, yeah, he smoked a lot. Yes, he did. Boo, 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 All right, boo, no, boo. that was it for voicemail. And likes it. We do the we we'll do the rest of the podcast in our special accents. Yes, yes, in our special accents. Oh, Canada, our home is sacred. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for calling in this week. Tune oh, fuck in, you, us. Tune in. Make week. love to me. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and thank you to Zachary Levy for sending us the documentary Strongman. Jeez. Check him out. Jace, he's Sainty Strongman. Jace, ask to have him play Jace. his documentary oui, oui. at your local <laughs> cinemaplex. Yeah. 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 And uh, Memphis Heat. Uh, thanks Memphis. to those guys for saying say Memphis Heat. You gotta fucking say when you do when you get to see Memphis Heat, seek it out, find this fucking documentary and watch it. Pay watch, for it. Watch this documentary. You can find it on their their website thing, the www dot Memphis Heat Wrestling the movie something or other dot com. Fuck, I, sh- I should actually say that it's Memphis yeah, Heat Movie yeah. com. And then you can buy the DVD. I recommend it. It's got all kinds of extras and and all kinds. I think of it was good better when I had stuff. my. Andrew Breitbart uh, rant <laughs> better than this because this is embarrassing, this is embarrassing. to the Fuck people this. that sent us the thing. Anyway, yeah. get to Memphis Heat. Uh, ask for Strongman at your theaters. Try and find it uh, any way you can. Pass the word. Both these documentaries are awesome. And you know what, people? We fucking showed that we have the guts. We have the intestinal fortitude to sit through that fucking feedback three times, baby. <laughs> fucking computer. Let me make sure it's recording again. <laughs> that motherfucker yeah, better okay, be recording. Um, the um, and uh, we're, so right. next week we're gonna do we're gonna go back to a silver and gold themed uh, again. Uh, another silver and gold double feature with Henry Silva and our gold Dolph Lundgren. Yes, we're gonna do uh, 1976's Shoot, starring uh, Cliff Robertson, Ernest Borgnine, and Henry Silva, and uh, some hunting. Ernest Borgnine sounds like uh, the, uh, a nickname for a guy with a fat dick. 
Ernest Borgnine? He probably did. He probably had a big fat No, 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 no. Sausage. If somebody has like Robin Williams when he's swimming in that pool and he has that big fat <laughs> hog hanging between his legs, that you would call that an Ernest Borgnine. A Borgnine. Yeah, yes. Fucking Borgnine was just flopping around on the water. Borgnine inches. Nine inches wide. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the our Henry Silva pick and our Dolph Lundgren pick. Play, uh, put a bit of, our pick from 1997, I believe, straight to video. Uh, the Peacekeeper. Um, also Bet starring, your ass it's a film by Frederick Forrester, too. Yeah, starring not only Dolph Lundgren, but also Michael Sarah's and Montel Williams of talk show fame and uh, <laughs> Roy Scheider, who... Uh, Chief Brody. Yeah, so this is that yeah. one's on instant, so you can check it out there. Yeah, I've watched it already. He's, He's not a CIA already. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's about it for us. Uh, you can always send us feedback at two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred. Call us voicemails or send MP3s there, or you can uh, or send MP3s t- or emails. Excuse me to our email at silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com uh, you can a- after you go to that our website you can at um, silvagoldpod or silvaandgold.com you can go to Amazon and Jesus. buy a quantity of anti uh, antacids and uh, anti-gas medications as to prevent gas on cheese the curds <laughs> cheese curds oh I can't wait to go and make this fucking Vienna Italian sausage, sausage, this Italian sausage. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. and um, hot pussy <laughs> <laughs> I love pussy. And the um Wow, I love pussy. <laughs> check us out on I iTunes. We're, fucking, we're, we're done here. Check us out on iTunes or Silver Gold Podcast at uh silverandgold.com. God damn it. I'm There's done. nothing I like better than hanging out with my brothers and having some hot pussy. <laughs> I am done. All right. Uh, that's, wow. that's about it for me this week. Uh, and until then, uh, fuck Andrew Breitbart and <laughs> what? and Johnny Ramone. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Davy Jones. Guy <laughs> was somebody's son and somebody's friend. He was, but he was Never. he was a hate filled man. So you guys missed a, a fucking liar. rant. You missed a good rant. Zom went off. So and we invite Chris to fall, call in some feedback sometime because we don't know if he listens to the show or not. And I, Chris and I'm pretty the Galactus. Sure of Boston. the podcast. Pretty sure we called him he, Long Buttery Dick the last recording, too. So, If he is the Galactus <laughs> of the podcasting world, then Metal Mikey surely has to be his herald. His silver... Silver, silver surfer. surfer. Maybe he could be, like, no, he'd be the he'd be the uh, flame flame headed dude that after Surfer <laughs> left. Fire Lord or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, Fire Lord. Yeah, nah. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. Uh, until next week, this is... I love oats, motherfuckers. Oh, thank the Lord. It's all over. It's all moot. Bye-bye. Praise the Lord. Go to work. 